And ladies and gentlemen of the jury, the prosecution is not going to get that man today. No. Because I'm going to get him. Welcome to this episode of the Hagman and Hagman Report, coming to you live from our radio and television studios here in beautiful, snowy, blustery northwest Pennsylvania, where we broadcast live every weeknight at 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on the Global Star Radio Network, of course. Great people, Global Star Radio Network. That's the place to tune into us, as well as YouTube Live. Yes, YouTube Live. We'll have video coming back up uh yeah, I don't know, in a few days. Uh, just video coming back up, full video, full in living color. We'll say Monday at the at the outside. And, of course, BTR, Blog Talk Radio. Don't forget, folks, you got two two separate websites, Hagman and Hagman.com, there for show information, and HagmanReport.com. HagmanReport.com, that's where to go for uh, the burgeoning writers, the new writers, the uh, truth, the reports, the information, news analysis, show prep, all that stuff. Got some great articles there as well on uh, HagmanReport.com. Bookmark that website. And also subscribe to our YouTube channel, please. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. And uh, also uh, follow us on our social networking feed while you, while you still can. You know, the, the crackdown, we're going to be talking about uh, this. The crackdown is... is here, it's it's already here. Um, Andrew Kerr is going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. Going to be talking about uh, a very important topic about what's what's taking place with this censorship. Getting getting down, I mean, just the nuts and bolts of it, basically. So we're we're gonna, I, I really can't wait for that. You know, we've got a landmark federal court ruling that's opening the way for the explosion of constructing mega mosques across America. Waleed Shubat uh, is the author of, of an article. You go to Shubat dot com, and uh, well, actually, it's Andrew uh, Bizod who's the actual author of this article. But uh, what we're seeing here is the Islamization Islamization of America, and it's it's not by military action. It's not by any anything else. It's going to come through the courts, and it's going to come through our religious laws as well. The, the biggest danger America faces, again, is not from guns and terrorists necessarily, but lawyers and activist judges. We've seen that. And of course, again, at, this article appears at, uh, at Wally Chubot's uh, website, chubot.com. But it, there's a court in New Jersey that made what what's being called a landmark ruling against a small town, which that uh, in which it said that Muslims were discriminated against by being required to have more parking spaces for their mosque for uh, than for other places of worship. See, because of the five times a day prayer requirement for Muslims, well, this federal judge ruled this past weekend that a New Jersey town broke the law by requiring more parking spaces than for other places of worship. It's ridiculous, but you understand how this is taking place. Um, there, there, this case came to came to a head after four years of hearings. The Islamic Society sued the township, uh, uh, this particular township in New Jersey, Bernard's Township, New Jersey. They denied plans to build a mosque due to concerns that there were not enough parking spaces. 
arguing that mosques needed more parking, again, than churches or synagogues. Well, in court, the township insisted that the issue was not a religious one, but a concern over parking. And the township's attorney said, yeah, it's just simply based on the needs of the applicant. That's how we're looking at this. Well, there it is. Okay, they this was tossed out, and what this will do, and I, I truly believe that what's taking place here is the doors are swung open for this Islamic takeover of this country. Now, you might think it's a small deal compared to everything else, but it's not, because this rips at, rends at our very fabric, our Judeo-Christian fabric, because Islam is not compatible with democracy or a representative republic, however you want to the accurate thing is, Islam, Islam is not compatible with a representative republic or the United States. If you want to say democracy, that's true, too, but we're not a democracy. That's that's in the news right now. And, of course, I'd be remiss to, to not, not to bring this up as well. Dan Rather, did you see this? Dan Rather is teaching a truth in the news course. Okay. Now you know that the fake news cycle is in full swing when you've got Dan Rather, former CBS anchor, now teaching an online course focused on ethics in journalism. Are you kidding me? Really? you got to be kidding me. It's called Journalism and Finding the Truth in the News. Uh, the class is aimed at media career aspirants in the general public. Go figure. Dan Rather. You remember Rather Gates. Ay, 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 ay. I, I mean... I don't know. At first I thought this was satire. But it's not, sadly. It's not. Now, if you thought 2016 was a banner year for WikiLeaks, 2017 is an even bigger year. Zero Hedge is talking about this. I don't know if, if anyone caught the recent Julian Assange interview with Hannity. Um... Well, it was previewed. Well, the, the, anyone watch that? Uh, I'm asking that as, as if I'm expecting an answer, right? No. Uh, Eric said, yeah, a little bit. Helping me out there. Well, all right. The, the fact is, it was denied by Assange that that any that any material was received from Russia. Not the Russian government, nor a, a state party, and and I do believe I, I I do suspect, and I think we all kind of suspect, don't you folks? Those paying attention to the news and the deaths, DNC, uh, uh, who might have leaked many of these documents. Now you're t- with WikiLeaks, you're talking ten years, ten well over ten million documents. But Assange said that if you thought 2016 was big, was a big year, 2017 is going to blow you away. There was a tweet as well from Assange, giving no hints as to what might be in store, but the uh, tweet uh, featuring a clip from uh, Clint Eastwood also included a link to the website's donation page, so people can help uh, the site prepare for the showdown. But uh, the interesting part about this... Uh, you know, Zero Hedge addresses this 
And 2016, of course, was another game changer for the whistleblowing site, WikiLeaks, as it delivered a massive amount of documentation over a 12-month period. Don't forget, there were over 50,000 emails from Podesta that began on October 3rd, I believe it was. The uh, And, of course, Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chair. There were 27,000 emails from the Democratic National Committee, which confirmed the DNC worked against the uh, against Sanders. It, that was a big thing back then. I mean, obviously a big thing in favor of Clinton. Not that I'm against that. But, you know, and, and people say, well, you can't release... Stolen. I, I mean, I, the, the amount, the number of Christians, by the way, who, who say, "Oh my goodness," uh, who, who take more issue over these documents being uh, obtained through less than conventional means versus the the information they contain. I have a problem with that. Just from my Christian point of view, that's just me. You can disagree with me, and, and if you do, that's fine. But to me, the information is much more valuable. If, if there was information of wrongdoing, and there is, if there's information of collusion between the journalism, uh, the, the, well, the media and, and the government, and there is, or the media and members of the globalist society, there is, the presidential uh, candidates such as Hillary Clinton, there's ample evidence there, then I think that outweighs any questions as to how it came to the public's knowledge. That's just me. And, you know, um, there was that uh, part where th- there's a lot of misinformation about Assange giving away uh, or, or the WikiLeaks putting our military in jeopardy. I, I think if you look at the totality of the documents and individual documents, I don't think you'll find any of that. Um they also released more U.S. State Department cables as well as documents that gave insight into U.S. arming of Yemen. And, and text from the TTIP, the Trans-Atlantic Trade and Investment Partnership, and the Trade in Services Agreement were also revealed. To me, that those were very damaging and damning emails, and of course, uh, the basis for this New World Order globalist agenda. And of course, the United Nations, uh, uh, just the United Nations information as well. And I do suspect that, that there will be more released on, on Hillary Clinton. Now, you have to wonder, uh, there are a lot of people who said, wait a minute. And, I, and I've seen these these various, uh, I've seen this. Well, wait a minute. Well, what about the information that was supposed to put Hillary in jail? Uh, what about the bombshells in 2016 that never materialized? Color me skeptical. Oh, bigger than, bigger hype than last year. Oh, that's impossible. Yeah, I'm still waiting for that WikiLeaks release. That was supposed to be put... Look, timing is everything, especially with information. And I don't know what they have. I'm not privy to that. I'm talking about WikiLeaks. But I do know that uh, when you are... If the strategy is to oust or out, expose or oust, either one, the globalists, then you do it... The timing is critical. The timing is critical when you've got information. And some people say, well, just release it all at once. And that's fine in theory, in my view. However, you've got some issues when you do that. A lot of things get mired and, and uh, covered when that happens and not covered properly. So you just have to understand that. I, I mean, I believe that we all have to understand 
that there's there are issues here that perhaps we don't know about. But I, I do I do expect more information coming out that is going to expose the Clinton Global Initiative, the Clinton Foundation. I do suspect. Uh, I do suspect, suspect that will occur. And speaking of hacking, uh, Gushifer cast doubt on Obama administration's Russia hacking claims as well. Of course, you know him as Gushifer, but his real name is Marcel Lazar. He's talking from prison some 3,700 miles away. Um, he had told uh, Fox News, for example, in an exclusive interview that he doubts the Obama administration's allegations about Moscow directing cyber attacks against the DNC groups back in the 2016 election. He, he doubts the validity, the authenticity of them. Um, he, in fact, he spoke to Fox News senior executive Pamela Brown. There was a series of recorded phone calls from his Romanian jail cell in late December, and he described the allegations of Russian cyber attacks during the 2016 election as part of a fake cyber war. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way we see it here as well. A disconcerting thought here. Um, I had seen something about some movement of troops, Russia or American troops toward Russian, the Russian border earlier. You know, Look, I don't know what's going on with this, with uh, with some of these fleeting headlines. You just you have to wonder. Uh, there, there, there were some there, there was some information about uh, U.S. and NATO troops moving about closer to Russia in, in somewhat of a threatening man- maneuver. Uh, you know, I'm just I, I'm not a hundred percent certain um, where this is where this is all headed you've got this this attempted uh, stoking up of world war three really or four or whatever just a world war and um, I, I think I think we have to be very wary of, of what's of what's going on and, and with U.S. and NATO troops against Russia. And, and the narrative there, and, and Hodges talks about Dave Hodges talks a lot about this, and Dave and I talk about talk about this a lot, the uh, predictive programming or the preparation, preparatory programming that, uh, um, you know, goes on. And and I think that, that when you have this single narrative about, hey, Russia did the hacking, um Russia hacked into, you know, the uh, Vermont or the New England uh, electrical grid, which was disproven. The, the hacking itself as well, the larger hacking, that was disproven of the DNC or the uh, interference in the elections. You know, it's it's pretty clear to me that, that the demonization of, of Russia and Putin is... What is wanted, you know, what they want to get across, of course. Now, Putin, I, I don't trust him, and I certainly don't don't think he's a good guy in terms of, uh, you know, any American president will say Trump. I, I think that Putin has his own agenda. On the other hand, uh, on the other hand, you've got to take a look on balance as to what's, you know, what what is taking place in our foreign meddling. 
But yes, uh, what I mentioned earlier, Lithuania confirms the presence of U.S. Special Forces as a deterrence against Russian aggression. This coming out of RT, and of course, citing RT is is really you know oh I can't we can't do that right. But uh, American Special Forces, at least one of the contingents, is stationed in Lithuania to to uh, bolster the training of the Baltic State Zone Commandos and to serve as a, as a deterrence against potential Russian ag- aggression. Well, th- this is kind of a, a, a newer or, or more of a a more recent move in a use of special forces. Um, you need to watch this. We we need to watch what's taking place out there. U.S. troops amass on Russian border. Alex Jones is reporting that, of course. He he reported that this past weekend. But even when you when you're looking at special forces and when you're looking at troops, U.S. troops, you you also have to think too that we we have had intelligence assets or the CIA type of assets in and around that area for a lot longer. Now there are some videos at ABC News, for example, that. Uh, that show this, but uh, NATO pressures Russia by moving troops close to the border. That, of course, again, on Alex Jones' uh, Infowars. And, you know, again, we have to look at this in the context of a larger agenda of globalism. Of globalism. Anyway, all right. So that's that's what that's all about there. And uh, and uh, you know, I, I'm I'm concerned as we look at at the world situation. Although there's moving, well, uh, you know, let me bounce into this too because gee whiz, Drudge is reporting now moving vans in front of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, 1700 in front of the White House. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, a moving truck spotted outside the White House. Go figure. Maybe they can't come fast enough. Uh, anyway, I wonder if they're if they're counting the silver as they as they load up the trucks as they're watching the. You remember what Clintons did? Of course, of course they took the valuables and things out of the White House. Um, but where's Obama going? Just to be clear, Obama is expected to move his family just down the road a bit. In fact, he's going to be living near Ivanka Trump and her husband, Jared. Um, it's interesting. He's going to be around for a while. This is Obama's third term. Really. I think, when I say third term, this is Obama's way to stay in power. I don't mean third term. And I, and I apologize for that. I was thinking as, as I was, yeah, had Hillary gotten in this, this would certainly be Obama's third term. But I, but this is Obama's way to keep in power the, the globalist agenda at hand. Um, so it just, uh, we just have to watch this as well. You know, too, we had talked of a big issue during this most recent presidential campaign as we still talk about this. Uh, and, and I saw this and I had to really verify, drill down on this to make sure this was correct. Immigration and Customs Enforcement deported less than 1% of all illegal aliens back in uh, the fiscal year 2016. If anyone out there does believe that Obama really deported many, no, don't believe that. 
In fact, he he's, he was often referred to, and I think this was an attempted way to to paint him, of course, as a deporter deporter in chief. Well, it's often it's often referenced, but it's off it's also equally erroneous. Um. Americans who think that the law is actually being adhered to, you're wrong. With respect to the immigration laws, you're wrong. Uh, the fiscal year, uh, ICE, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement, recently re- released a uh, fiscal year 2016 report. And it stated that as a whole, the DHS, which houses both the U.S. Customs and Border Protection and ICE, Removed or returned a total of 450,954 illegals last year alone. Each counted as a deportation by the term's weakest definition. But when you look, when you start looking at this, wait a minute, no, 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 no. See, a closer look at the information contained here, the vast majority of these deportations, the, the, the ones that are claimed by Obama, hey, we deported we, 450, almost a half a million illegal aliens were deported alone. No, when you look at this, they weren't actual deportations at all. These were primarily single adults who got caught crossing the border from Mexico and were either turned around or, in the case of non-Mexican Mexicans, processed and sent back to their home country. It was. It, it wasn't a deportation. It was just merely we ain't let you in. So, in fact, of the roughly four hundred fifty-one thousand aliens, illegals, who were removed from the country last year, about sixty-five thousand three hundred thirty-two of them, about fourteen percent, were apprehended inside of the United States. Now, this is according to the DHS's own report. Think about that. And, and the vast majority of these, by their own admission, were criminals who had been convicted of a violent felony or were a threat to national security. Who in the world's working at ICE? Or, or, or why aren't the laws... There are no laws being... Uh, being uh, this is crazy. So the next time some sniveling, snot-nosed, liberal, progressive idiot says, "Oh well, you know, uh, my goodness, but these poor, poor aliens, these poor refugees." Wait a minute. Here's the deal. Here's the deal right here. According to the, uh, in fiscal year 2016, as a whole, DHS. And that includes U.S. Customs and Border Protection and Immigration and uh, Customs Enforcement. Removed or returned 450,954 illegal aliens last year. Okay? And each one of those. Now now listen to that number. 450,954. And each counted as a deportation by the term's weakest definition. A closer look shows that the vast majority of these deportations, the ones that Obama said, yeah, we, we did it. We're, we're tough on illegal immigration. A closer look, no, these weren't deportations. These were, hey, you can't come in. And then we'll just mark, you know, okay, you try to come in, we turned you away, that's a deportation in their, in their lexicon of, of meaning, right? And then, of the roughly 451,000 illegals who were tossed from the country last year, about 65,000 or 14% were apprehended in the interior of the United States. 
and, and though the vast majority of them were were convicts uh, and convicted of a violent felony or were determined to be a threat to national security, only 5% of all removals, and we're talking about 23,000, were cases that include people who unlawfully crossed into the U.S. since 2014, and even smaller 1%, which, I mean, we're talking less than 5,000, were people who had, uh, illegals, who had been given a final order of removal in the last two or three years. So overall... Overall, we didn't do squat. That's the bottom line here. But but see, here's the problem. The numbers are misleading. The way the numbers are being thrust upon the public are misleading. They're highly misleading, and they mask the fact that the in, the, the people arrested inside the country, they're dropping. When you take ICE data analyzed by the, the Center for Immigration Studies last summer, there are about a, mil, uh, a million illegals inside who received final order of removal from an immigration judge still living in the United States. Okay, so about a million are, are, are walking around in the interior of the United States that should be out of here. And those that includes about 179,000 convicted criminals. How are you feeling about this now? And, and uh, despite these abhorrent numbers. The administration's recent report said that the states that ICE made nearly 11,000 fewer arrests inside, in the interior of the U.S., than in 2016 than in 2015. Okay, so <laughs> even assuming that every illegal arrested by ICE in 2016 was under final order of removal, that means that they only arrested about 12% of the total number of legally removable immigrants, aliens, criminals and only deported about 7%. That's the bottom line. That's the number you need to take home. That's the information you need to know. And that combined with the mosques, the other than Mexicans, and you think that this is all just, you know, why aren't people talking about this? Folks, we're listening to the Hagman Report right here, Doug Hagman. Up next, Andrew Kerr. And I talk with us. We're going to be talking about censorship and really, really what we're... <laughs> What's really going on? Stay right where you're at, folks. Going to be right back on this blustery day. A video back up, I'm sure, by Monday, no later. edition of the Hagman and Hagman Report. Uh, wow, got fired up there right before the break. Now I'm going to get fired up again because we have with us Andrew Kerr. This young man, folks, if I could, I, we should buy stock in him. I mean, seriously. His stock is rising because his investigative work product is absolutely incredible. Go to thecitizensaudit.com. You know, we promise as a as a platform to bring you the best, and Andrew Kerr is among the best. Andrew Kerr is an investigative researcher, head of thecitizensaudit.com, and we're proud to have him as an independent uh, 
contributor to HagmanReport.com, and we're glad he's here. He's going to talk tonight about the really. If you go back to it, it, just go to the citizensaudit.com. And, and this was he allowed us to republish with a link back to his, to the citizens audit, um, his article from December 28th, the nuts and bolts of countering disinformation propaganda act. Folks, what you're hearing out there in some arenas, it's, it's blustery hype. I mean, it's blustery. No, it's not hype. It's just, it's just blustery. And, and it, it's difficult sometimes to really dissect the nuts and bolts of really what this means because there's oftentimes overstatements. And in many, many cases, understatements or overstating the, the, the facts or understating the facts. You've got to get the facts right. And this is what, this is what Andrew Kerr does. The citizensaudit.com. Andrew, welcome back to the program, sir. Thanks for having me back on and thanks for the, uh, for the comments. I appreciate that. Well, it's true. And I'm not blowing smoke and, uh, you know, uh, and and I'm, I mean it when I say that your uh, the information that you've provided uh, should serve as the basis for well for the uh, what people need to know about for example about the censorship that's coming it's you, you approach this with in a very reasoned well thought out manner in a very well researched manner um, now having said that what's going on here because last uh, the the on the 23rd, Obama signed the 2017 NDAA. We've referenced it. We've talked about this. We've talked about what's on page 547, which is the establishment of the Global Engagement Center. But you know what? We want your take on it, your findings, because you spent a lot more time on this and dug very deep into this. So why don't we get into this? Yeah, so um, uh, two key points. Uh, the text of the law authorizes the United States government to collect, store, and disseminate the records of anyone that's considered to be spreading propaganda and disinformation. Uh, that includes United States citizens. And there's also no limitation in the law to prevent the government from directing anti-propaganda uh, efforts to its own citizens. Um, there's some subtle differences in the original version of the law that was introduced back in July and what was actually signed into law uh, last week or a couple weeks ago. Let me uh, stop you there. Let me stop you there. Only because I, I want to take this one step at a time, if you don't mind. Because I, I did notice we had the Senate version or the House version, the Senate version, and then the final version, which the which Obama signed. Yeah. And you're correct in the in the differences of language and um, troubling, but subtle subtle but troubling differences. I just want to let people know. So let's get the right version, folks, before you start looking and, and trying to analyze this. But thank you. Okay, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to make sure that's clear. So go ahead, sir. No problem. Uh, so in the uh, the version that was introduced back in July, uh, there was a, a section, the provision in the in the law that said that no funds for the activities of this. A global Engagement Center, which is the entity that was just created to uh, combat propaganda. No funds for the activities of the Global Engagement Center uh, may be used with the intent to influence public opinion in the United States. That language was removed from the final version, which was just signed into law. Now it says that none of the funds can be used for purposes other than countering foreign propaganda and misinformation that threatens United States national security. So the uh, the language is saying that no, nothing can be used to direct propaganda to the United States citizens. That was totally removed. And so when we now that we know that, 
when we look at comments from uh, Senator Chris Murphy of Connecticut, he said last two, or a couple two days ago that this bill is primarily dedicated to countering propaganda and disinformation outside of the United States. Well, if that's the case, then why did they remove the provision that specified that none of the provisions in this bill can be used to influence public opinion in the United States? It's contradictory. Uh, and what he's right. saying, in my opinion, is it's a flat-out lie. If that was the okay. case, then they wouldn't have removed that provision. Okay. All right. And, and so, well, what, what's your answer to that? Looking at this, just looking at this, what's the answer? Obviously, to me, the answer is simple. The purpose for them to, to remove that provision or that restriction is so propaganda can be legally thrust upon the American people. Is that right? Yeah, so that's um, that's exactly what's happening here. And it's really subtle. So the Global Engagement Center, uh, they have 10 different um, functions that they can, uh, that they're authorized to, uh, to, uh, to carry out in the, in the law. And uh, the provision number three is saying that the, the Global Engagement Center itself can support the development and dissemination of fact-based narratives and analysts to counter propaganda and disinformation uh, directed at the United States and United States allies and partner nations. Um, and another provision says that uh, the Global Engagement Center can at times direct uh, anti-propaganda efforts to audiences outside the United States. But what they can also do is administer an information access fund. And so that what that is is... $160 million that they're budgeted for the next two years that allows them to give out grants uh, to um, to media companies, uh, non-governmental organizations, research centers uh, to spread propaganda um, to their audiences. And there's no provision that says that they can't give funds to American companies. And, so, you know, we, we talked about this, Andrew, in a, in a previous show. It would be, you know, we'll just use Hagman and Hagman, for example, all right, um, as, as an example. And we, folks, we would never, ever, 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 ever do this. Trust me. There's no amount of money in the world that, that we would do this for. But that $160 million, we'll say, oh, I don't know. We can always use new equipment, new personnel, you know, whatever. And we're always running at a deficit, or so it seems. So if if the government said, hey, look, you know, here's $5 million. Um, here's a grant. Why don't you apply for a grant, and we'll give you a grant for $5 million. Um There's going to be strings attached. And that's kind of how – is that how this money is allocated, perhaps? Well, uh, what the law says is that um – Grants can be used uh, to support efforts by this uh, Global Engagement Center to counter efforts uh, by foreign entities uh, to spread propaganda within the United States. So whatever the center determines to be foreign propaganda or misinformation, um, the center can give out grants to organizations to counter that messaging. And but but can, they, really- can they do it to, co- to co-op the, the organization? For example, if, if, hey, for five, if I can be bought for $5 million, um because I need new equipment and I, I want a bigger, better lifestyle. Um, could, could that could it work that way too? I guess is my question. Well, um, in other, in other words, we'll give you the fo- we'll give you the five million, but you got to kind of here's the subject line and here's what you got you, you can't talk about and here's what you can't talk about. I guess that's what I was saying. Well, um, 
you know, the, the law's been signed, and now it's it's up to the interpretation of this administrator to, you know, to carry out the functions of the center. And I think that that's a valid interpretation of the law. Um, you know, an administrator mm-hmm. could be assigned to run this global engagement center that has good intentions. That's not going to abuse the powers that uh, he or she has in order to, you know, to spread propaganda to American citizens. But we can also get a bad administrator that does just that, that can give out grants to, you know, to beef up uh, media content providers in an effort to drown out anything that goes against the narrative of what the United States And gotcha. that's a really, con- really concerning thing. In the text of the law, they use the phrase fact-based narratives. Um, it's really concerning to me that they use the word narrative because facts don't need a narrative. Facts are facts. Um, but this this uh, Global Engagement Center is going to uh, develop and disseminate fact-based narratives uh, United okay. States government um, pertinent to national security interests. So there's a lot that's up to representation, and um, and I and it could go it could go south really quickly. I think that we're one step away from having a um, a ministry of truth in, in the United States. Exactly, and, and I totally agree with you on that. And I know John had written up the program description and or referenced 1984 several times, and it, it gets frustrating because you know it seems like this is always at our doorstep, or it's always been at our doorstep here, at least since '01, or, or in earnest anyway. And uh, yeah, this is this is crazy. So, okay. Um, you write about the functions of the Global Engagement Center, and we we we, we skirted. We, we touched on that, um, and you 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 state that the original version of the bill focused solely on countering foreign government information warfare efforts, and the final version, of course, was modified to include non-state actors. And of course, that's a big part of the thing. And what's a non-state actor? You get into that. Um, you know, NGOs, multinational corporations, so, religious yeah, groups. So- yeah. Go ahead. Now let's talk about non-state actors. So, so the phrase non-state actor wasn't in the original version of the bill, and it was added into the final version that was just signed into law. And so when I was researching to find out what the United States considers to be a non-state actor, there's no solid definition. Uh, the Oxford English Dictionary defines a non-state actor as an individual or an organization that has significant political influence. So, yeah, like you said, some uh, examples are you know multinational corporations, international media, um, anonymous. Um, also, there's violent non-state actors like ISIS, um, drug right. cartels, terrorist organizations, and you know it can be an individual too. So if you have a large Twitter or Facebook following, you have a significant amount of power uh, to distribute information to your followers. Uh, and I I point out that in 2006, Time Magazine quite literally awarded the Person of the Year award to you with the headline that says. You control the information age. Welcome to your world. So I think that absolutely uh, an administrator can uh, interpret this bill to say that, you know, if there's somebody with 100,000 Twitter followers uh, that's, you know, pushing out a news narrative that goes against what they consider to be the United States national security interests, absolutely that person is a non-state actor. And this bill allows this global engagement center to maintain, collect, use and disseminate records for research and data analysts of non-state propaganda and disinformation that's quoted from actual bill and records is really any item collection or grouping of information about an individual so um, that's that's a lot of ammunition for somebody to collect the information of Americans that they consider to be spreading 
provide this information. Yes. It's really no. quite concerning. Um, it's, it's hard to, to, to overstate just how concerning that is and just how much power that's giving this this new organization, the Global Engagement Center. Who's going to, um, do we know who's going to head this up, this uh, Global Engagement Center, either by position, government position, or by name? Do we know? Not yet. Um, the head of the center is going to be uh, an individual who is an official of the federal government who is going to be impo- appointed by the president. Um, that's it. So the president gets to pick and choose uh, who who gets to head this, this organization. I don't believe that Congress needs to um, needs to give a thumbs up or thumbs down on the appointment. I think that's just so up to the- Car- Carlos Slim can be appointed or... Or who knows? It could be anybody. It could be, you know, you know okay, I get you. Um, all right. And by, I, I should, I shouldn't make mention of this. Uh, we've got some terrible audio here, Andrew. I just want to make mention of that. I don't know what is, what's happened, but, uh, no surprise. Uh, finest equipment and terrible audio on the, on your end coming through. So you're a little choppy. Just want to kind of give you a heads up on that. Um, okay. all right. So, Okay, it, the other part of this too, and I don't, I don't want to lead your, I, I don't want to necessarily lead the conversation, but the other part of this I want to, I really want to touch on, and then let you go wherever, is that the U.S. government, the government can collect your records for research and data analysis, and that is so concerning to me, and, and should be to everyone, and even those people who say, well, I've got nothing to hide, so they can research away, ah. That just drives me nuts. But what, what's go ahead? What's your what's your view on this? I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Yeah. Now we can. Yeah. Now. Wow. Okay. Now okay. You're coming in. There you go. I, I missed your your last question. Can you say that again? Sure. And, and, and thanks. Whatever you did worked. So, anyway, um, I'm curious on this. I don't want to direct the conversation too much here, but I just want to make sure I got this question in. You had mentioned uh, about the government collecting our everyone's records for research and data analysis, and it, it, you know to maintain, control, collect, disseminate records by people. Okay. Uh, uh, which is one of the functions of the Global Engagement Center. And to those people who say, well, I've got nothing to hide. They can research my stuff all, all day long. I got nothing to hide. It's still, I mean, it's, it's not right. It's an invasion of privacy. But what's your, what's your analysis of this? Because you do isolate this in your, in your report. And I think it's important to bring, bring out. Well, the, the language that, uh, is all throughout this bill is that, uh, this is combating information that is aimed at undermining the national security interests of the United States. So I don't think that anybody would want to be on a list that says that, hey, Andrew Kerr might be spreading information that's dangerous to the, na- to the national security interests of the United States. Um, that's that's not a good list to be on for, for anybody. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, and yeah. And, and that's an arbitrary decision. I mean, it, you could be researching, um, I don't know, uh, avocado dip, and uh, it doesn't matter, you know, it, what you're researching. It, it seems like your placement on, the, on this list is pretty arbitrary. Yeah, um, I mean, to, to really sum this all up is that uh, the fake news has been branded as dangerous all throughout the news media, um, you know, especially in, in uh, 
response to Pizzagate. Uh, they're, you know, they're calling the, the efforts of independent journalists to, to be dangerous, spreading dangerous fake news. Um, and the way that I see it is that, you know, there's, there's limitations to our freedom of speech. You can't, uh, yell fire in a crowded movie theater. You can't make threats against somebody's life. Um, th- there are limitations to free speech. And, you know, if the government can brand a news narrative as dangerous to the security interests of the United States, then they could use that as an excuse to, to, you know, forcefully remove a news narrative, uh, if it's, you know, if that narrative is, quote, dangerous to the United States. Um, and also, if it gets to that point, they're going to have a list of individuals and groups and entities that are, you know, known distributors of, of foreign disinformation and propaganda. Um, it's all very, very concerning. Um, you know, right now, they have the authority to build up that list and to and to do data analysis on information that goes against the United States narratives. Uh, mm. We're just one step away from them. You know, when they they the language of the law says that um, the engagement center is going to counter misinformation efforts. Um, but what does counter mean? Again, that's it seems to be up to the interpretation of the administrator. If countering just means you know flooding the airways with the United States uh, narrative, that's one thing, but does that also mean that they can forcefully you know, shut down websites? Um, we don't know. I think it just determines, it, it depends on the interpretation of the administrator. And in, in my view, that's a lot of power to be giving somebody and, the, and a lot of authority. Um, I, for one, think that we should be putting a lot of pressure on these senators why, and lawmakers. Why did you remove the provision that says that nothing in the center can be used to um, to be directed at United States citizens. Why remove that in the first place? Uh, can we exactly. put we should put that yeah. back in the law? Um, but that, you know, something that, else that I'd make, like. Yeah, that'd make me feel better. Go ahead, sir. <laughs> yeah, but something else that I w- I'd like to to point out is it, you know going back to a non-state actor. Um, ISIS is a non-state actor, and I can see that some of this bill. Is, uh, is built with good intentions. So I think that all of us would agree that, you know, if somebody's spreading ISIS propaganda within the United States, I don't think that really anybody would have a problem with, um, you know, with putting them on a list and, and, and tracking them. But right. there's no distinction in the law that says that, hey, we're going to single out uh, terrorists uh, or ISIS as an entity. It just says non-state actors. It's a, it's a blanket statement. So... This may have been built with the best of intentions, but there needs to be some there needs to be some limitations built into the law to say that you know what do you mean by information that goes against the security interests, or what do you mean by non-state actor? Uh, why did you remove the provision saying that um, American citizens can't be targeted with this with this bill? Is this a lot of questions up yeah. in the air? And I and I think that they need to be built building some uh, some barriers uh, because at at the moment. It seems like we're getting, giving way too much authority to the to the government, and I, I don't like the um, I, I I don't like using the term slippery slope lightly, but I do see this situation as a slippery slope. If this goes through without anybody you know fighting back or you're raising any alarms, then they're just going to keep on going down this road of um, you know labeling news as dangerous and then forcefully removing it. I think that's the pathway that we're going down. I, I totally agree with you on that. Now, uh, we've only got about, uh, I don't know, six, seven minutes here left. Uh, uh, 
what else? I, I don't. Uh, I've got some other questions, but I'll defer to you. What else is on your radar now um, with respect to what's taking place with the with the internet, the censorship, this this bill, how it's being implemented? Anything else that you know you haven't mentioned that you you kind of want to make sure that uh, we cover? Um, I, I I think that uh, this we we've covered the the gist of it. Okay. Um, I just say, you know, a, a call to action is, is we shouldn't be okay with the government labeling a news narrative as, as dangerous. Um, and that's, and that's what, um, that's what this bill is doing. You know, by all means, I, I have no problem with the government, um, you know, <laughs> clarifying facts if, you know, there's legitimate disinformation, but the, the language in this bill is, it, it says fact-based narratives and, um, that, that's a that's problem. That's the phrase. Yeah, I I agree with you on that. It, it's yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. Go ahead. Th- facts are facts at the end of the day, um, and that's what the government should be should be distributing, not not a a narrative. Because you know, if you think about it, the the narrative that Barack Obama wants to be putting out is a lot different than the narrative that Donald Trump wants to put out. And it doesn't mean that you know one is right or, or one is not, but you know, people they they cherry pick facts that they that they like and they leave out the facts that they don't like and and that's you know what a narrative is um exactly and and thank you for that clarification because that word is overused i believe and and not fully understood narrative mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's not one i really I really like but uh, okay we'll go with it um well let me toss out a question because I, i've seen over the last few days and you can extend it back into and perhaps the last few weeks, really since, I'll just say since the revelation of Pizzagate, you know, only in the context of timing. I've seen some really weird things happen with websites, with, with Twitter feeds, with social networking and all of this, and of course the, the up, upswing of the, the, the use of the phrase fake news. What's your sense as to what is taking place right now? Is there, is there a covert pushback against the independent media? Right now, that we're kind of seeing maybe bits and pieces of, but not the full picture. Well, I think that uh, organizations like uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Um, well, I mean, YouTube is, is Google, so I, I think we, we see it a lot where somebody, an organization, does something like when uh, Chick, the president of Chick Fil A, uh, came out in favor of you know of uh, or against gay marriage. There was such a blowback against Chick-fil-A and people were wanting to boycott Chick-fil-A. And so I think that, you know, we saw it after the election is that, um, the liberal media pointed their fingers at Facebook and, and Mark Zuckerberg and they said, well, why did you allow fake news to, to spread on Facebook? Why didn't you do something about it? And so there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of noises placed on these technology companies that, that hosts a lot of this content. Um, asking them to, to take action against uh, the dangers of fake news. And so I think that these organizations are being pressured into, um, into censoring. Uh, you know, Facebook just agreed to, to fact-check articles. You know, Facebook is going to uh, essentially have uh, editors on hand to verify the content of what people are posting on their platform. That has nothing to do with the mission statement of Facebook as a social media company, but they've been right. pressured uh, by organizations like Media Matters and the mainstream media uh, to do this. And the pressure that 
um, some of these you know left-leaning organizations can place on these companies is overwhelming, and we just see them break. And so all of a sudden we have YouTube is shutting down channels, Facebook is fact-checking information, um, and and all sorts of things that you know escapes the bounds of their original missions. So hmm. I think that's why we're I think that's why we're seeing this is that they're getting a, a enormous amount of pressure to to hey remove something. Anything that's referencing Pizzagate on your site, or else we're going to label you as a spreader of misinformation too, uh, and then we're going to pressure advertisers not to work with you, and we're just going to ruin you financially. Um, and there it is. So, and, and folks, I, I really want you to, to Andrew. I'm, I'm glad you said that. Uh, folks, understand exactly that, and we will ruin you. We will take you. We will. We will knock the funding out. I mean, you think you're. You think you're smart, guys, right? Okay, getting advertisers. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna knock those advertisers right out from underneath you. You talk. You want to go here? We're gonna make it impossible for you to support your independent news media. And this is why, Andrew, we, we need to support your organization. Um, go to thecitizensaudit.com. Support Andrew Kerr. And Andrew, you're doing such great work on media matters. You need to be careful, but folks, support Andrew Kerr. Support his work at thecitizensaudit.com. Andrew, thanks, man. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Really, it helps us out a lot. Well, thanks for having me on, and I apologize for the audio issues at the on the first half of our interview. Hey, no, no, no worries, brother. But we're going to keep in touch. We're going to keep following you, and we're going to keep uh, t- talking about you. And thanks for for being on our side. God bless your brother. Thank you. All right. Going to be right back, folks. Stay right where you're at. Dave from X22 Report coming right up. Thanks, folks, for tuning in. Thanks for your belief and your trust in us as a member of the independent media that we are independent. Independent. Understand what that means. We cannot be bought off. We cannot be compromised. We will never be compromised. As, as Andrew is talking about the, uh, you know, the, 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 all the money that's available to, to counter the propaganda, so to speak. And I, and I have heard, and I'm, I'll just leave it at that. I've heard where, and I can't prove this, where, um, hey, if we can get some grant money for you, this, this is not us, but, you know, if we can get some grant money for you, would you, uh, would you agree to, you know, uh, sourcing our news as opposed to what you're broadcasting or what you're putting out on your website? And, and people, everyone I know is flat out, you know, said no. I mean, it's, it's only two instances really. And it was hypothetical as opposed to, uh, direct. So, but nonetheless, you, you've got to know that this is coming. And that's just going to make it more difficult, especially for those established in the independent media. Uh, if, if you hear a sudden change, for example, of how they do things or what they talk about or what they won't talk about even, it's going to be, although it should be relatively easy to identify, it might not be. So anyway, we have to be very cautious and wary of that. We have Dave from X-22 Report. Uh, 
Folks, x22report.com. It's a fantastic website, fantastic YouTube channel, very popular. And it's, Dave's, um, uh, he's he's got his background in technology. He's worked for large financial institutions. Um, he, he's a really, I mean, really a, a, a very well informed researcher and part of the independent media. All right, he's coming up right here, right shortly. Before we get to Dave from X twenty two report, I got I got two. I got, well, I got one phrase for you. Hello Fresh or one website. HelloFresh dot com. I am really sold on HelloFresh.com. My wife and I use this food service. We are customers. We love it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a busy professional couple, large family that runs at a breakneck pace, or someone who just wants to start cooking more. HelloFresh.com makes it easier, tastier, and healthier than ever to enjoy the experience of cooking new recipes and eating together at home. Not just new recipes, but just delicious food and food that's not just good, but good for you. From creating the recipes and planning the meals to grocery shopping and even delivering all of the pre-measured ingredients, HelloFresh delivers right to your door so you can skip all of that. And we love that convenience. HelloFresh currently offers customers a classic box or a veggie box, and they're going to be launching a family box. Customers can order three, four, or five different meals per week designed for either two or four people. New recipes are created every week, and I have to say there has not been one recipe, one dinner that HelloFresh has provided for us that has been not to our tastes. HelloFresh is the meal kit delivery service that makes cooking fun, easy, and oh, so convenient. We don't have to go to the grocery store anymore. Each week they deliver, HelloFresh delivers and creates and delivers new uh, delicious recipes with step-by-step instructions designed to take around 30 minutes for everyone from novices to seasoned home cooks who are short on time. And HelloFresh sources the freshest of ingredients, and they are fresh. I mean, you open you open that box and mm, you can smell the freshness, whether they're, they're the uh, herbs. And, and, and measure to the exact quantities needed, so there's no waste. There's no, nothing to, 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 there's no waste at all. They employ a full-time registered dietitian on staff who, who reviews each recipe to ensure that it's nutritionally balanced and all delivered to your doorstep in this great special insulated box for free. And again, my wife and I use this. We are getting our uh, week's deliveries tomorrow. Okay, uh, actually for the weekend. That's the way we planned this out. And uh, we have we've cooked up. In, in fact, we're looking for the uh, uh, chicken and uh, this chicken and, and I think it's pistachio rice. Oh, but I I we we selected the options and my goodness, we just can't wait. And we like to cook together. It gives us time to talk, talk about business, talk about world events and talk about things that are important to us. Folks, we have a special offer for you. Go to hellofresh.com. That's hellofresh.com. Promo code. Use our promo code Hagman35. That's Hagman35. What does that mean? $35 off your first week. Promo code Hagman35. The website, hellofresh.com. Go there. Spend some time. Look at it. Sign up and Use our promo code Hagman35 for $35 off 
your first week. You won't be sorry, and you'll be thanking us because it is a fantastic service. Dave from the X-22 Report is joining us right now without any further ado. Thank you, Dave, for hanging with us and for joining us tonight and talking about uh, some very important uh, items that uh, we need to get into. Thanks for having me, Doug. Glad to no, be here. Man, appreciate it. Um, well, uh, you know what? Let me let me take a step backwards here. And, and the folks, you've heard Dave from X22 on before. He's uh, he was on once before talking about a number of things. But here we are. We're what 50, 16 days away from a, a presidential transition. The um, uh, you just did a uh, uh, a report today. The latest mm-hmm. Sentinel alert about the. Uh, Political financial roadmap for 2017. Should we start there? Because I mean, where do you want to start? There's so much to get into. Yeah, we we can start there. That's that's not a problem. I mean, I, I can explain where I think everything is headed. Um, when I, I mean, I've been looking at the economy for a very long time, and when I saw the data that the government was putting out and I looked at the hard data of what was really going on I saw two different things happening and what we're seeing today is a complete breakdown of the economic system now a lot of people you know that I speak to say I, I, I don't see it I don't know what you're talking about well no one really saw it back in 2008 either everyone was thinking that everything was fine I mean that's what they were telling us and we look today and we see in the news that the holiday season wasn't that great. Uh, Macy's, Kohl's, and many other stores are going to be closing stores once again, laying off people. And I always go back to if the economy is recovering, and of course the administration that is in office right now is telling us that we're at 4.6% unemployment, why would all these stores be closing? And it's not just this year. If we go back in time, it's each year leading up to this point. So we've had mass closures. Retail is declining. And as we look at more and more economic data, it's separating, and I knew this was coming, it's separating from what the government and the Fed is telling us because they're telling us 4.6% unemployment. The last quarter was over 3% GDP. And the stock market, I mean, we're almost 20,000 points here. And when we look at this, those are their manipulated numbers that they're giving to us. And then we look at the real economy, and we look at retail, and we really see what's happening here. And a lot of people don't realize this, but in retail, when the government receives retail numbers, it doesn't mean that these are the actual numbers. The different corporations will feed it into them, and they will look at them and say, you know, we don't really agree with this number, so we're going to use our estimates instead. If a store closes down, like Sports Authority that closed down, uh, they don't just shut off the sales for sporting, sporting goods. What they do is they spread it out over time so there's not a huge impact on retail sales declining. So they do use a lot of manipulation to make it look like Retail is doing a lot better than it really is. But what happens is, when we go through a holiday season, retail really declines very rapidly because I know during this holiday season, I look around my neighborhood, uh, I didn't see that much garbage, and that's my gauge of you know what people are doing. 
I didn't see the big boxes. I didn't see a I, lot of bags. I thought I was the only one that did that. You know, the, the garbage day, the first day, the, let's say, well, Christmas this year is Sunday. Let's say your garbage day is Wednesday. You know, mm-hmm. typically, and I, I, I didn't know anyone else did that. It's amazing because I always look. I, I walk my dog and I look in other people's, you know, garbage and see absent big box items or big boxes or, you know, even this week, the second week now, thinking, okay, well, maybe, you know, they didn't clean up the garage. Nothing there. I mean, very little mm-hmm. refuse there. So good good observation, by the way. Yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, these little things that when you look at all different things, you can see what's happening. And what worries me the most right now is that how the Fed and the present administration how they're playing up, how well the economy is doing. And we can see already the Fed came out today saying that they're going to be raising interest rates maybe three times next year, but at a faster pace, which tells me that this is not a good situation. And people say, well, why? But isn't this going to be great? Well, think about it. Since Obama took office, he added about $9 trillion worth of debt. This year alone, he added about $1 trillion worth of debt. We saw what happens when the interest rates move up just a little bit. Mortgage applications, refinancing applications, they decline rapidly. Uh, real estate traffic dries up. Do you imagine if the Fed comes in and starts raising interest rates at a faster pace? This tells us that the economy will not be able to survive this. And to me, that is a signal where they're screaming out to everyone that they're going to bring this economy down because when we look at the massive debt load that we have and when we look at the tax revenue coming into the government, which is not a lot because you have to remember there's a lot of people losing jobs and they're taking on part-time jobs or they can't find work and the tax receipts are not there. This is why they created FATCA and GATCA. They, have, they went all over the world and made deals with the banks in Switzerland and many other countries to report those individuals that are making incomes in these other countries so they can collect. The only reason they did this is because they didn't have the revenue coming in. And if interest rates move up, there is no way they're going to be able to pay the debt, the interest on the debt. It's just not possible. And with real estate, if interest rates move up any further, it's going to be a complete disaster if it moves up 1% or 2%. And real estate right now, this could create a domino effect because real estate is connected to many different things. It's connected to lumber. It's connected to the concrete industry. It's connected to furnishing. It's connected to many, many different things. And when real estate goes down, almost everything goes down. And we're actually seeing signs that things are rapidly deteriorating, especially in the luxury apartment um, sector, where we're seeing there's a lot of apartments out there. They cannot rent them, so they're giving like six week six weeks uh, free rent. Um, they're just trying to get people to come in. So what I'm seeing right now is a big play on building this economy up, and it looks like they Obama wants to leave office with the economy at its height. And I do believe they will bring the Dow to 20,000 points maybe by the end of this week. My timing is not always the best, but he wants to leave with 20,000 Dow. 
He wants to leave with the unemployment number at an incredible uh, percentage. He wants to leave with GDP above 3%. And they're doing all of this at the same time that they're doing all of this, they're pushing the idea of Russian hacking, which to me, I scratch my head and I start to think, why would they be doing this? And then I remember back to Janet Napolitano, who was head of DHS um, a couple years ago, when she was leaving office, she said, it's not if, but when the U.S. is hit with a cyber attack. Now, do I believe Russia is actually going to hit us with some type of cyber attack? No, I, I don't, because they put out a 13-page uh, PDF uh, file, and on the top of this file that this was supposed to be their proof that Russia actually hacked the DNC and the election system, it says, you know, this is um, without warranties. We don't know if any of this information right. is true. But what's very, very interesting about all of this, they left out a file from that report. It's an um, an XML um, CSV file and the XML portion of it you can only read through an RSS reader or through a browser and when people look at it it just looks like gibberish to everyone but when you put it in a reader you can see what it actually says and what they did was they listed the IP addresses of all the different countries that were probing the DNC and the election system and there were 895 IP addresses now it's very interesting how they didn't include this in the 13 page PDF because it was easily done I mean you put it into a spreadsheet and you can include it but I see why they didn't and I see why they left it as a XML file they didn't really want anyone looking at this because out of the 895 IP addresses that were listed there only two were from Russia and there were 40 different countries. One of them was the U.S., one was Canada, the U.K., and only two from Russia. And one um, one of the IP addresses came from an area of Russia where it's a corporation which is actually based in Great Britain. The other one is like a public IP address, like in a library. And any state actor would never, never use their own IP address to attack someone. And right. what we're seeing right now... Uh, to me is this economy being built up they couldn't get their candidate into power and I think they're setting Trump up right now for this huge fall um, sometime in his term and I, I'm going to take a guess that I don't think they're going to let it go too long um, before they do it because I, I, I agree with you I, I agree with you on that I just want to I just want to if I can just insert this just so people sure. understand what you're what you're referencing it was a, a couple of days before the end of the year it was December 29th I believe it was that that uh, websites were given access to and I think the hill was one of them they posted this article the 13 page report by the FBI and DHS claiming that their 13 page report was the smoking gun of the Russian hacking in the US elections and but what you're saying what you're saying is what they omitted from that were was the what was basically the spreadsheet of the it IP was a spreadsheet of the yes that's correct yeah, okay all right 895 of them and of course um uh these these uh, 885, 895 indicators of Russian hacking. Uh, mm -hmm. All of these were simply IP addresses, uh, servers from more than I think 40 countries. But anyway, yes. yeah, uh, okay. But it, it's it didn't tell the tale, nor did it even 
um, tell part of the tale. Um, and I think there was what uh, I can't even pronounce some of these names. I've got the list here, but bottom line, it's it's all it's all garbage uh, with respect yeah. to you know yeah okay all right. So just so people understand what they've yeah, talked about. There's no link back to Russia um, as from what they're producing right now. There's nothing there. And if you look at their timeline and you look what they've been doing with all of this, uh, they started out where before the elections, um, Obama came out and said, oh, there's Russian hacking against the DNC about uh, he's attacking the Russia's attacking the election system. And he was setting all this up because just in case um, Hillary Clinton didn't receive the popular vote, they were going to use this to say that, you know, Trump was winning the popular vote, not the electoral college, but the popular vote because of Russia. But it didn't turn out that way. Hillary, through their manipulation, got the popular vote. Trump worked on the electoral college and got the electoral college vote. So they couldn't use that at that time. So after the elections, they started to bring this up to distract of distract everyone from what's really going on here. And we saw they kept on pushing the idea of uh, Russia, Russia, Russia. And we can see right now, and I've always said this, they want a war. And I know it's hard to believe, and it's, you know, people say, oh, yeah, you, you hear war all the time. But they want something to start. They want to provoke Russia. And they've been trying to do this, but Putin doesn't play the game. He never did. Because if they really wanted to have war with Russia and Putin really wanted to have a war, well, back in 2013, when they had um, the sarin gas attack in Syria, yep. Putin, instead of making a deal, he could have just said, let's have war. When the yep. United States had the coup d'etat in uh, Ukraine, Putin said, hey, we could... Let's just have war. But he didn't. He kept on trying to put off and, and he kept on talking about peace. And the same thing with today in Syria. Putin could have had war, but he wanted the United States to work with him to get rid of the terrorists. So right now, the elite, the establishment, they want some type of war. And they are pushing and provoking and trying everything they can. I mean, look what they did. They said, you know, they placed sanctions on diplomats. They told diplomats to leave. They seized their land, their property here in the United States. And Putin, what did he do? He said, hey, you know what? I'm going to wait for Trump. I'm not going to do anything. Nothing. And all of a sudden, we're hearing now that Russia is now hacking the power grid. Right. And they had a story in the Washington Post about the um, power grid getting hacked. And it turned out that it was another fake story. It was a guy who had a laptop, not connected to the power grid, worked for the power grid, but he had malware on his laptop, but it was not connected. That's where they right. got the story from. Did, and then did, we hear did, the Washington, did the Washington Post ever walk that story back? Yeah, they retracted it. Okay. As, as more and more people um, started to point things out, they retracted it. CNN, they put out a, uh, the story about... Um, the Russia hitting uh, the power grid and hitting the election system, and they put up a uh, picture of a video game, Fallout 4, and they yeah. used that. <laughs> yeah, again, okay. fake news. They retracted it. They removed it. But then yeah. today you hear Ontario, they're out there saying that, yes, Russia is attacking their power grid system. 
and they're saying, yes, we have many IP addresses, but we found one that's from Russia, so it has to be from Russia. So, I mean, or maybe two. I mean, you could see what's happening right now. And I do believe that we're heading into a period where these elite, they are pushed back against a wall and they're coming out with their claws wide open and they're going to create an event uh, during Trump's administration to take control of the system once again. And we can see already that they're setting this completely up and they don't care if people believe or don't believe as long as the propaganda is out there and the majority of the people just hear it because remember, yes, we're in the alternative media, we're looking into things, we don't believe it, we know they're lying. Many of the other people, I mean, there's a lot of people in this country, like 300 million plus people, they are just listening to the news every day. They just hear these bits and pieces of these stories and they just go along with it. I mean, I know many, many people that just say, oh my God, Russia's hacking everything, this is getting out of hand. They don't even realize that it's completely fake. And it looks like they don't care if it's true or not true. As long as the propaganda is out there and the majority of the people believe they're going to try to go, uh, they're going to use a lights out scenario. And when I say lights out scenario, I believe back in 2003, uh, I was in Manhattan at the time working there. They had the Eastern Coast go out and it blacked out. And I believe they were testing that. Um, for a future event and here we are today and all you hear is power grid hacking and then I think back to Janet Napolitano back from DHS and I think this was all planned from the beginning it might not be the, the narrative they wanted but they're sticking to their goals their goal is to bring the economy down blame it on another country or group and it looks like they are still headed that way. I mean, the economy is going to collapse no matter which way you look at it. It doesn't matter who's in the White House because the economy right now is built on an illusion. So when you look at this illusion, it's going to completely fall apart. I mean, it's already starting to fall apart in many different economic sectors. And I've been following this for like four years now and reporting on it every single day to show people how an economy falls apart over time and how they can create an illusion to prop it up. I mean, if we think back to 2008, 2007, we had the subprime security um, issue, the crisis at the time. There were a few individuals looking at it saying, there's something wrong here, and they're scratching their heads. How come it's not collapsing? It should have done it this time. It should have done it at this time. And what was happening is they are pros at keeping the illusion continually going until they want to bring it down. And this is what we're seeing right now. And it looks like they're getting prepared to bring down this entire system, one way yeah. or another. As, as the moving vans are in front of the White House as we speak, their plans to bring this system down are, are still in play. And, of course, Obama wants to leave, you know, on a high note, the, uh, the Dow, I'm sure, as you said, will break 20. Uh, the numbers that are being uh, published to the American public are, are false numbers based on based on junk economics. And the mm -hmm. real numbers are, are hideous. And now we've got this 
this operational discussion where Russia is is the bad guy here and not just influ- not just interfering but in influencing our elections but now hey it's they're going to cause lights out perhaps power out and you're right good and I had forgotten about the Palatano I'm glad you brought that up because and this is why, folks, Dave from x22report.com, this is why I follow his work. He follows the long game, and he does so methodically and with good research techniques and the information brought forth. You can't argue with this. This is good stuff. Folks, you're listening to the Hagman Report. We're going to be taking taking a couple of minutes here at the bottom of the hour. I just would direct everyone, again, to Dave's website, Excuse me, uh, x22report.com. That's x22report.com. His latest, by the way, uh, Naomi Prince Political Financial Roadmap for 2017. It's a must read, of course. And, uh, all of his articles, all of his reports, his alerts, everything on his website. Very important information. And again, support your independent journalist, Dave, x22report.com. Folks, we're going to be right back. Stay right where you're at. That's that's our website for uh, show information, show prep, all articles, including references to and and, uh, bits and pieces that link back to x22report.com. Important news items, things you need to know, bookmark hagmanreport.com and also hagmanandhagman.com for show information. Um, And the show itself, three venues, multiple venues, Take your pick. Our video will be back up. I can, I can promise you this, uh, at the latest on Monday. Uh, but, uh, maybe before, but, uh, nonetheless, Monday will be back up video and full, full, uh, full boat. I appreciate, oh, I just want to tell you we appreciate your patience on that. Uh, Dave from the X22 report is here, x22report.com and talking about the economic uh, things that are taking place in the economy as well as with uh, geopolitically with Russia and things are not good but but Dave let me ask you a question coming out of the gate here I got an email this was over this past weekend uh, the holiday weekend saying you know your reports on the economic collapse meaning our reports our, our calls that hey the economy is it, it can't sustain itself I mean it's, it's going to collapse you're scaring people deliberately and you should be ashamed of yourself that was directed to me how would you respond to that? I'm just curious as to how you would respond to something like that. It's funny. I get the same exact emails. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I get a lot of them. And, you know, something I – whenever I get those type of emails, um, I respond not just to the email, but I, I like to do it on my reports also. When someone says I'm scaring you or um, I'm talking doom and gloom, I think back to 2008, or I think about a hurricane or anything, any type of disaster that's coming our way. And I say to the individual, or many individuals, that, listen, would you rather me tell you to make sure your wealth is secure, make sure your family is secure, 
make sure that you're prepared for what is coming. Let's just take a hurricane for an example. If we know there's a hurricane coming, it's out in the ocean, it's headed our way, and I tell you, listen, this storm is so bad, it's going to wipe everything out in its path. Your house might be destroyed. Lives will be lost. And what you should do right now is prepare. Get food, get water, maybe have a weapon to protect your family. I would take some of your cash, your gold, or whatever you have, store it in someplace nice. Does that sound like it's doom and gloom? Or am I telling someone to prepare for what is coming? Think about 38% of the people back in 2008 who lost their wealth. If somebody was out there telling them, listen, those subprime securities, it's a disaster. It's all the loans inside of those securities, more than half are defaulting right now. Moody's, S&P, the SEC, the government, they're lying. They're not AAA. It's garbage. They're going to collapse. The, everything they're telling you about real estate right now, how everything is sustained, everything is fine, they're lying. Protect your wealth. Take your money out of those securities. Do whatever you have to because the storm is coming. Now, maybe back then people will be saying, well, that's a lot of doom and gloom. You're telling me everything's going to collapse. People are going to lose, you know, their, their, their life savings. People are going to lose their pensions. But if you listened to that information back then, you would have been out of the subprime securities. You would have prepared for what was coming and you would have been better off. So when people tell me this and I'm, you know, spreading doom and gloom. No, I am telling you, the government doesn't always tell you the truth. I would say maybe less than 1% of the time. They are doing whatever they have to do for their best interest, not yours. I mean, just think of Obamacare right now. <laughs> if the government was to? really doing everything in your best interest, when Obamacare came out, why didn't they drop their government insurance and take Obamacare? Right? They were telling oh, yeah. us how great it was. So right there and then, it tells you they're doing everything in their best interest. I'm telling everyone, listen, I don't make money from telling you what to do. I don't sell gold. I don't sell silver. I've been through it through two, uh, uh, um, in 2008. I was laid off. I know what it feels like. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, you need to protect yourself because this storm and the storm that you've never, ever seen before is headed our way. This storm is going to be so bad that for those people who are not prepared and ready, it's going to be a disaster. Now, it does sound scary. And I don't I mean, I am not a type of person that kind of like, you know, oh, don't worry, it's going to be OK. I rather just come out and say it. And we're all adults. Take the way you want. If you don't believe me, shut it off. Go listen someplace else. But just be warned, when this hits, it's going to be a disaster. And I'd rather, rather see you prepared. I mean, I always tell people, listen, if I'm completely wrong and everything that I've been doing is way off mark, what did you lose? Let me see. You have a basement full of food, water. You got a lot of gold and silver. You got cash on hand. You might have a nice weapon. What did you lose? 
because you can always get rid of the gold and silver. You have cash, you can spend that. And food you can eat. You lost sure. absolutely nothing. But you're prepared. Exactly. That's exactly what I tell right. And and thank you, thank you for reinforcing that, because it seems to me that there there are, um, and I, I don't want to dwell on this, but but it just it does seem to me that there are people out there who are saying, oh, your program Hagman, you know, you do nothing but but scare people, doom and gloom, and all this. And I appreciate your response to this because you get the same thing, and, and uh, of course somehow that turns into well, you know, you tricked me or or you tricked. Uh, you know, uh, the, the 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 vulnerable, the most vulnerable, the 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 elderly, for example, or so, some rot like that. And, and to me, uh, you know, I, I I don't understand that mindset because we we are called to take care of our families. I know I certainly, as, as a father, as a husband, um, you know, I, look, I would feel horrible if I was not if I didn't prepare my family for any eventuality. Yet you've got a bunch of mealy mouth weasels out there. Uh, who, that don't, and you know what? I'm going to stop there. But, but you get my you get my point. That that just yes. don't don't see the picture. Um, but getting back to the geopolitics of of things, as well as the Russian, where we were at, where you were at with Russia and the geopolitics of everything. What the hell are we doing? And, and excuse my language, but what the hell are we doing? Stoking up Russia. I mean, what's what's the what's the end game here to to cause a what? Is, what are they trying to do? Is obviously start a war, but why? Well, they, what they, uh, from, from the beginning since I've been reporting, uh, to me, everything that I looked at, their plan was to have a war to cover up the collapse because the central bank, which is a private corporation, um, here in the United States and in many different areas, um, around the world, there's many different central banks and then there you have the uh, Bank of International Settlement, you have the International Monetary Fund, but they don't want to be blamed for when the economy comes down. They know the debt is unsustainable. They know they've built an illusion that cannot be sustained. They know that these fiat systems only last around 40 to 45 years, maybe a year or two longer than that. They know that it just can't work. And we already see that it's starting to completely fall apart. And the reason why they're trying to provoke Russia or provoke North Korea, I mean, I saw an opinion piece on North Korea on how they can go in and do a minimal strike on North Korea's nuclear program and get out without starting a war. And I'm thinking to myself, really, you can go into a country, bomb a country with specific targets and you don't think that country is going to do anything you just attacked a country a country didn't attack you the United States, the elite, they attacked a country this is how crazy they are what could possibly and, go wrong with that yeah, that's a plan yeah, yeah, right. yeah that's a great plan um, but they want this war so they can blame it on another group or a country And it looks like they're pointing towards Russia right now and they're using cyber attacks and it's Actually, a very good plan. I, I, I'll give them props for that, that a cyber attack is a good plan. It doesn't mean I'm condoning it. It means that it's a good plan because cyber attacks, you really don't have to prove anything, except now that Trump wants proof. <laughs> he wants to see the proof they have of, you know, how did Russia actually do this? What's the evidence? 
and so far they've delayed it until Friday. He's supposed to get an intelligence briefing. We'll see what they tell him. But it's a great plan to say, listen, the financial system was attacked. It was a cyber attack. It shut down the financial system. Um, right now, we're going to have to shut down the banks, and we don't know what happened or what was lost. So as of right now, nobody can withdraw any money. And this is a very good plan on their part because people will say, oh, okay, it's cyber attack. Okay, for the, for the next couple of days, we can't access our money because we don't know if we actually have money. Some people might run to the bank. Others probably will sit back and say, all right, no big deal. And then they can come out with the news saying, yes, it was Russia. Russia did this. They tried to bring down our financial system. And this could be followed up with maybe parts of the grid going out. Now, they're not going to bring – I mean, every, every time I mention this, people say, well, if they knock, down, knock out the entire country and it blacks out – how is everyone going to know what's going on? Well, they're never going to knock out the entire country. They will do little sections of the country to get the effect, to make sure everyone understands uh. Uh, the East Coast was knocked out. That's it. So everyone in the Midwest and the West, they'll hear this and they'll say, oh, oh my God, look what they did. Wall Street, down, blacked out, the financial system, down. And, P and this will be playing all over the corporate media. And people will get angry. They'll side with the government that's telling them this. We might have to go to war with Russia because now, as we know, NATO and the United States, anyone that uses any type of cyber attack, it is an act of war now. So they do have a good plan on convincing the population that we were hit by a cyber attack, bringing down the financial institution, hitting the power grid, and they probably could make a case, and the majority of the country most likely will believe them. And what they're going to do is because the central bank wants to start this entire system all over again, they're going to try to maneuver this. And it looks like they're trying very hard before Obama gets out of office. I mean, it's just strange all the things he's doing right now with what? He has like two and a half weeks left? Yeah, and sixteen days. It's very, yeah. yeah, it's very, it's very strange how hard they're pushing this when they know Trump is coming into the White House, which tells us they're not going to let up. They're going to continue with this, and they're going to push very hard because they feel they're losing power. They don't like to give up power. They can't come out and say, "Hey, we lied." They'll never. They're going to have to have a lie on top of a lie on top of a lie to convince the people. And I see we're heading down this path that they might go all out on this and they'll be able to shut down the entire system. They might even blame Trump for this, saying that, you know, his economic policies or whatever he was thinking of doing started the chain reaction and everything started to fall apart when he started uh, putting his policies um, into, um, yeah. into, uh, um, into action and mm -hmm. you know they, they might spread this and, and move further with this but we can see right now that these elite they are not going to give up and they want this whole thing covered up because they want to start this whole system all over again they know their system is done they know how long it lasts they know what they need to do they've done this throughout history and it, to me it seems like they want a complete reset 
They want everyone to forget that the central bank was responsible. They want the blame to be shifted to someplace else. And they want to start with a new currency. They want everyone to forget what happened in the past. And the war does this because all of a sudden they say, well, we're in a war. Everyone has to, you know, pitch in. We're mm-hmm. not going to get supplies. We're not going to, you know, everyone has to um, uh, sacrifice for this war, and they have a perfect story to reset the entire system once the war is done. And plus, they can reduce the population all at the same time. And this is exactly maybe, maybe what they, they can want. Sell war, war bonds too. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm joking. You know, uh, I'm joking. But, but they, yeah, they, you, they can sell you, war bonds. They can make more money for themselves. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, but you know, it, it, but what concerns me, and, and you said this. Uh, there seems to be this this pedal to the metal rush on uh, in in the in the remaining sixteen days. Th- does that suggest to you that Obama really doesn't want to uh, uh, cede power, or will he cede power and then this stuff will happen? I know you don't have a crystal ball. I'm just kind of trying to game this out in my head. Um, what's the most likely scenario that you see ahead, based on your reasoned analysis and your experience? I I, I think he wants to stay in office. Uh, do I think it's a possibility at this point? Unless they pull something out of their hat and there's some type of major event um, right before Trump is inaugurated, um, I don't see it happening. I think they're planning on bringing down the economy during uh, Trump's um, presidency. I yeah. think what they're going to do is make his presidency horrific, um, yeah. very tough. I don't think I, I don't I don't think um, he's he's jiving with the establishment. I mean, already we see that the Senate uh, Congress actually has the audit the Fed bill back in. They're pushing it forward. We know that Trump most likely will sign it. The Fed is never going to let that happen. They rather start a war, blow something up, have a cyber attack before they're audited. And I can see all these different things that he's trying to do. And so far, I have to say he's quite true to his word, and his actions are meeting his words, which is surprising to me. Um, I I mean, I wasn't really a a Clinton fan, a Trump fan, because I like to see the actions of these individuals and how they work. And, you know, it's always different from what they say and what they do. But so far, I see that he is following through on a lot of this. Um, that he, his campaign, when he was campaigning, everything that he promised, and it looks like he is actually following through on this, but I think um, he's there for a reason, um, not just because he won, he is the master of bankruptcies, he knows how to handle um, a system that is failing, he understands what to do when a system fails, um, he has many different corporations, he understands bankruptcy, and we need someone in office right now that can weather the storm. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be able to turn everything around, you know, in a split second. He's going to help weather the storm, and the storm right. is going to be quite awful. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said on that. Um, what would happen, and, and I, now that this is way out in the weeds here, so uh, humor me on this. Um, if something happened to Trump, obviously Pence would be elevated to the position of presidency. 
What kind of guy is Pence? Uh, is, is he a globalist more more so than Trump? Or um, the, uh, I'm just trying to kind of again game this out in my head. Uh, all different scenarios. Would would Pence carry on the Trump traditions, or would he acquiesce to the globalist? Do you think? I think he'll fold. I think yeah. right now Trump is um, larger than life. He's following along with Trump. But if Trump maybe gets assassinated, something happens, um, I don't think Pence would be able to continue on what Trump is doing. I don't think he has his personality the way he is. I don't think he has that. And I think he'll side with the elite. Um, they might even have something on him. And I think he'll fold completely right out the gate. I don't think he'll be able to handle it. And he'll just go along with whatever they say. Interesting you say that because I, I know Sibel Edmonds. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if you have heard her or follow her or uh, what your mm-hmm. feeling is yes. about her. But you know, you know I, I do know that, that that when she, I mean, she, she's come out with some great reports and talking about uh, you're in you're in D.C. any length of time that they've got something on you, and, and it's you know it's a pretty much done deal. So, uh, wow, okay. So, so I, I heard a report, and, and this was on Drudge, and then moved off. But, but there's some there's some shenanigans going on now with NATO and U.S. troops, kind of poking at the defenses of Russia geographically. I don't know if you've heard anything about that, but it seems again consistent with what you're saying earlier about um, us poking at uh, Russia and trying to start a war. Anything? Have you heard about that, or any news on that? That might be a day or two old, but nonetheless, it's still relevant. Yeah, they have um, the Operation Atlantic Resolve right now in full swing, and they're bringing in, um, you know, 2,000 tanks, 4,000 troops out to this area. Russia is placing uh, nuke-ready missiles in Kaliningrad, which is their own soil. Um, But we see that they've been moving um, troops, assets, throughout Eastern Europe, putting them into caves, and I've been tracking the movements of all of this throughout time, and they moved a lot of hardware throughout Eastern Europe, out into the Pacific, um, and it, over time, when you look at this, you could see they were definitely preparing for a war, um, because you don't do any of this if you're not preparing for something, and it only started up maybe four or five years ago where they started really moving things into different areas. But something very interesting, um, I don't know if you caught this, Obama in his last couple of weeks here decided to call back all the aircraft carriers back to the United States, which Uh, is very... I didn't see that. No. Yeah, he recalled all aircraft carriers back to the United States. We only have a couple of ships um, out in different locations but this, to me, is very odd that he would recall um, the Eisenhower, the uh, aircraft, aircraft carrier Bush that were in the uh, Mediterranean. All of it is now coming back to the United States. And to me, I'm thinking this is a complete setup, um, almost like Pearl Harbor, where all the ships are here in the United States and there's nothing out uh, I mean, we still have our bases, we still have our troops, but we don't have the support of these ships out in different areas, which is a very strange thing to do in your last 
uh, two and a half weeks <laughs> in office. He's doing a lot of strange things for a president who is leaving office. Yeah, it makes no sense to me that he would be worrying about all of this. Most most of the presidents who are leaving office, they're packing up, they're getting ready to go to their next career, and they're leaving it all behind. But from him, I mean, he has the UN Arms Treaty back yeah, in yeah, uh, exactly. the Senate, which is very odd. He recalled all the aircraft carriers. He's going on with this Russian uh, hacking thing. And it, to me, this is a very, very, I mean, to me, it, when you really look at it, it seems like Oh, I'm not leaving. This is I'm still doing this. <laughs> I'm still president, and I'm not leaving. I don't care if Trump's coming in, and that's what it seems to me. That's what it seems like. It's very, very odd at this point. I I, I totally agree, and I I just yeah, folks, I I hope you really, have, and I know you've appreciated um, Dave from X22Report.com, his expertise, his analysis over the last two segments and uh, we got about three minutes left Dave uh, I'm going to just let you close out with whatever final thoughts you might have um, because frankly I, th- I think this is perhaps one of the most important hours of radio that we've done in a long time and I want to thank you for your analysis And but without further ado here I don't want to take any more of your time in the next uh, two and a half minutes we've got uh, your final thoughts well I would just say to everyone right now is that this economy, and it's funny because I was just speaking to my father, um, who just started to look at what was really going on. He didn't believe me throughout many, many years, and all of a sudden, he's like, you know, things aren't really making sense, and the economy doesn't make sense, everything doesn't make sense, and he started to um, prepare by getting food, water, supplies. Um, he started purchasing gold, and um, every every time I report or I talk to him or I tell him something, you know, he always has a lot of questions of why this is all happening. But what I would tell people is to look at what's really going on. Don't listen to me. Look at what is going on. Go a little bit deeper. Take a look at what's going on with the financials, with the economy. And when they tell you something like, you know, a retail is the best thing ever or um, real estate is incredible, Dig a little deeper to see if it's true. And when you look at these numbers and when you look at the economy and what they're saying, you'll find out that a lot of it isn't true. A lot of it is created to keep this illusion alive. And with every illusion, it falls apart. So I would say to everyone right now, the worst possible thing that you can do right now is not to prepare not to have extra food, not to have cash on hand, not to have gold, because you really don't lose anything if you have these things on hand. You lose if you don't have them, because when things start to fall apart, like in 2008, I mean, some people were affected, some people weren't. I mean, those people who were affected probably wish they were prepared and ready for it. This time, I don't think many people are going to escape this. This time... I think it's going to be the whole because I think this time it's the entire system, not just a couple of companies, not a, not a bailout. I think the system is just done. I, I totally agree. Game. 
Dave from the from x22report.com I want to thank you for your gracious gift of time tonight we will uh, continue to support you talk about you promote you your work your reason and analysis your investigative research and a, a shining light in the independent media and I want to say again thank you so much for spending your time tonight with us hey Doug thank you very much for having me I really appreciate it thank you very much alright sir God bless sir to you and your family Folks, HagmanReport.com, that's our website, Hagman and Hagman for show, uh, accessibility, HagmanReport.com, bookmark that, and also X22Report.com, support, support Dave and X22Report.com. And be right back, stay right where you're at. That's our website, Hagman and Hagman, for show accessibility venues. Follow us on our social networking sites as well. Folks, also, subscribe. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, doing so raises the visibility and, of course, that of all of our guests. Coming up here next is Pastor David Langford from thevoiceofevangelism.com. Links to his uh, links to his website program in the program description on both uh, BTR, YouTube, and on our website as well. Uh, I can't wait to get his take on, on everything, essentially. Before we get to him, I just, uh, I, I, I think at, I think about my love for books, and, and I, I love to read, and I love to sit by the fire and read a, a great book. And if you haven't done so already, T.C. Joseph, this generation series of novels, what a great series he has put together. It's really a, a, just this thrilling series of novels. He takes us through the, into the lives of three families in a world where conspiracy theories and Bible prophecies collide. And, and, you know, many, many books today talk about either biblical prophecy or fiction. But few can do it as well as T.C. Joseph has and combine them, combine both. Uh, and his novels, by the way, in addition to being great reading by the fire with a hot cup of cocoa and, uh, uh, you know, the fire roaring in the background as the snow flies outside. Um, in addition to that, they can be used as really as tools to wake people up as to just how close we are to the end game, shall we say. Folks, T.C. Joseph, remember that he is, he's a talented writer. I gotta tell you. His books are, are fantastic. He's got three. Book one is Precipice. Book two is Pentecost. And book three is Penance. All three are great books in there. Um, it's just a great series. He's got great reviews from Kirkus and as well as Blue Ink. You can read about them. Go to, um, go to the Amazon.com page for this generation series of novels. But definitely, folks, definitely, definitely well worth the read. That's T.C. Joseph's This Generation series of novels. Without any further ado, Ms. Pastor David Langford. Pastor, great to have you on, sir. Be on tonight, my friend. Hey, it's great. You know what? It's uh, it's great to talk to you, and it's uh, it, it, we we spent uh, earlier talking about all of the current events, sixteen days away from inauguration. Um, so many things taking place: the economy, the geopolitics, the the. 
I mean, you name it, it seems like it's popping everywhere, and you don't know where to look. So, where do you want to? What do you want to talk about tonight? Where do you want to start? Well, you know, there's a lot of consternation. There's a lot of fear, a lot of trepidation, a lot of anxiety. But I personally refuse to live like that. Uh, to me, a Christian life is supposed to be a life of discipline, moderation, and balance. I refuse to just listen to doom and gloom 24-7. I read it, I listen to it, and I measure, and I stop. Then I go 99% of the time back to the Word of God. That is where I get my refreshment, my edification and my strength and that is Doug what keeps me balanced um, we all have driven a car at one time or another that had a wheel that was unbalanced and it wobbles it, it does all sorts of crazy stuff and you know it's an aberration it's an anomaly the fact is it can be fixed if you stop and take the time to fix it and I was reading today in Proverbs 19 and 21, there are many devices in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. There were many devices by men throughout history. Lucifer, Joseph's brothers, Pharaoh, Herod, there's always been men that had their own devices, and, and that word devices in the Hebrew actually means schemes. They have their schemes, but notice what he said. There are many schemes. We're going to place the word devices with schemes. There are many schemes in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand in other words, just because men have their schemes, their plans, their purported devices, the counsel of God is what's going to stand. Okay, so I know that there are men, and we know this is, we have to understand, this is going to come to pass. There will be a third world war. All of these things are going to take place because the Bible has foretold us these are the things that are going to happen. In Matthew 24, 6, and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. What was the next phrase? See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Jesus doesn't want us to, to be troubled and live a life of anxiety and fear because we see what is going to take place. What a blessing to be able to know beforehand this is going to take place. You know, any, anyone hates to get caught off guard or unawares. We, we, we'd like to know what's going to happen so we can, quote-unquote, prepare for it. You know, the, frame, the famous proverb, Proverb twenty-seven, twelve: a wise man foresees trouble coming and takes refuge, but the simple pass on and are punished. And in the Hebrew, when it says, and they are punished, it doesn't mean it's a punitive punishment from God. It means they suffer Unduly, because they did not make plans. Now, God foretold Pharaoh in a dream, which he could not understand. There was going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. He couldn't understand the dream. He was profusely troubled, profusely perplexed. So the 
Butler, of course, the cupbearer of Pharaoh, when Pharaoh kept having these troubling dreams, he, the butler said, oh, I, I remember my faults this day. There's a man in Egypt that, or a man in prison that can interpret these dreams. Well, go get the man. And so they go get Joseph. They bring him up. Pharaoh explains the dreams. Joseph gives him the interpretation. And you have to appreciate Joseph's humility. He said, get you a man that can administrate the affairs of what's coming, because you're going to have to put back 20% of everything that you uh, harvest over the next seven years to get you through the seven years of the dearth and the famine. And, of course, Pharaoh said, well, I've not seen such wisdom in all of Egypt. You know, you're that man. And what I gather from that is God is forewarning us, and it's up to us to make the proper decisions, do the right things, to get ourselves in the right alignment for these events. So when they do come, we don't suffer unduly. We, we, as I said, the Bible said, uh, a wise man foresees trouble coming and takes refuge, but the simple pass on and are punished. They're not punished, as I said, because they did something wrong. They suffer because they did not get ready. And so we hear all of these events that are going to take place, and, and I believe Donald Trump will be inaugurated. I believe he'll take his place in office. I don't doubt that the animosity, the animus of the world, the new world order, is not going to be stoked and want to disrupt that. you got to remember, as soon as Jesus was born, Herod told the Magi, when you find out where the child is, come back and give me a report so I too can go and worship him. But the Lord came to the Magi in a dream and said, you, you can't go back, you've got to go another way. Therefore, Herod rose up, slew all newborn males two years of age and younger. Again, we're talking about there are many schemes in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord stood. So, so God always heads off the enemy because the enemy doesn't know the mind of God and how God can maneuver around all of these events. So I, I've just come to take these things in stride, and uh, I've often said this, and I'll say it again tonight, whatever you magnify gets bigger. Uh, if you magnify your problems, they get bigger than God. If you magnify the Lord, he gets bigger than your problems. We, we too often magnify our circumstances, our situations, and our problems. And I, I've, I've been guilty of that. I've, I've magnified things totally out of proportion. Yeah, and I was yeah. wrong for yeah. doing it. Yeah. You, you know, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a known fact. The things that people fear, 95% of them never come to pass, never come to fruition. You know, uh, and this is what fear does. You know, First John 4 and 18 says, There is no fear in love. But perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. I, I want the people to understand fear, more than anything else, is an imagination. It's just a figment of one's imagination. But that figment, that, 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 that imagination can become so powerful, it begins to torment our minds. Mm. You know, uh, I started getting into fist fights in the sixth grade, 
and I fought, and I had more fist fights from the sixth grade till I graduated. You shake stick it. Why I don't know. It seemed like every every dude wanted to challenge me for whatever reason. And if, as you do that for so many times, you get to the point you understand how to fight, and you don't wait for there to be an argument or you hit me, I'm gonna hit you back. You, you, you get to the point you don't even wait for that. You preempt. You just preempt because you can recognize. I can't walk away from this because I see the man's mind, his disposition, his verbiage or whatever. And I'm not going to be tormented by a person or a circumstance or situation. So we we have to be wise and mature enough to look at a situation, say, am I going to let this torment me or am I going to deal with it correctly? We've all talked about, do you manage the problem or does the problem manage you? Do you manage the problem, or do you let the circumstance drive you crazy, drive you insane, drive you into fear? You know, we've got people who won't leave their house. They have a, a phobia. you got people who won't drive a car because of a phobia. Yeah, that's why people, they say, well, you're homophobic. I'm not a fear of a queer. <laughs> you know, I hate to be that blunt, but I have no fear of them. That, that's something they're trying to put on me and say, I have a mental disorder. I have, I'm, I have a disconnect in my mind. I don't have a disconnect in my mind regarding that subject. I just don't want to be around them, you know, unless they want to give their heart to the Lord, because I know they're evil. I, I, I don't want to be sub, subject myself to that, or much less their lifestyle and how they live and what they do. But, but my point is, we can't let the things that we hear and we read and we see dictate how we live our lives and how we respond. Everyone listening has fire insurance. I pray to God none of us ever have to use it. But I have it because it's common sense. I even have earthquake insurance on my house. And I'll never forget the first time I got that, uh, the agent said, do you think we're really going to have an earthquake here in North Carolina? I said, no, I don't anticipate one. But just in the event... For another $80 a year, my house is covered. I just think that's right. only common sense. Yeah, it's it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I mean, yeah. you know, for $7 a month, and, and you know, that's just, and if it happens, they're going to rebuild my house. And the people yeah. around me will have to take care of it themselves because that's why it's so cheap here in North Carolina. Um, and and, and it's, it's just what I call common sense. Um, again, it gives me an element of security that if for some unknown reason, there was a, a terrible earthquake in the late 1880s, I believe it was, if I remember correctly, in Charleston, South Carolina. So there is a, a, a potential of a threat, but it's, it's not a real threat. But the point is, for $7 a month, you know, I can make sure that if that were to happen, my house is covered when... of the houses won't be covered. Right. So, you know, people need to understand that the devil is the master of fear. He's the one that brings the fear, the anxiety, the trepidation into people's hearts. And and I want to reiterate that verse again, Proverbs 19, 21. There are many devices or many schemes in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the foundation, nevertheless, the counsel or the will of God, that shall stand. So, you know, we know these things are going to happen. The the, the $64,000 question is when. 
you cannot continue to keep printing money, $20 trillion debt. There's going to be some type of reset. Something is going to happen somewhere, sometime. When, how, what, I don't know. I'm not going to sit around and worry about it. I'm going to be ready in the event it takes place. You know, I'm not going to sit and wait for the crash or the uh, the detriment of the situation to now dictate my life and what I'm going to do. I, I want to be ready for whatever comes. The, the greatest story in the Bible is, is, is Joseph preparing and the five wise virgins versus the five foolish virgins. Right. You know, uh, they, they, they were all virgins, and their goal was to be prepared to meet the bridegroom, but the Bible said the wise took oil in their lamps with their vessels, but the wise, but the foolish only took oil in their lamps. That's all they took. And so the, the reason the, the wise took another vessel with oil is because no one knew how long the wait would be. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So we don't know how long this time of tarrying, the spans, how, how long it, we don't know. So if you don't know, then you prepare. It could happen before Donald Trump goes into the office. I don't doubt if Donald Trump has been raised up of God to do some things that these evil ones are going to work in every way, shape, form, and fashion they can against the man. Just Let's use Joseph for an example. He was God's vessel to go down to Egypt, become the prime minister, to become the viceroy of Egypt. And the reason God ordained that was because God was going to use Egypt to clothe, house, and feed his people until he grew them into a nation. And then when they left, he said, you're going to leave with the silver, the gold, and the fine linen. Those were the reparations. Those were the, that was the redemption. He paid them back full for all their years of toil and of labor. So God is going to still use the world and its system indirectly to take care of God's people. When, 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 when Daniel went into Babylonian captivity, he was promoted inside the Babylon kingdom. And, of course, the last promotion was if he could read and understand the writing on, his, on the wall while Belshazzar was having his drunken party, one of the great things was going to be a, a, a great... Um, a great golden uh, chain necklace around his around his neck, and um, uh, he was going to be clothed with scarlet, and then he would be made third ruler in all the kingdom. So here was Daniel in Babylonian captivity, a dedicated, consecrated, sold-out man of God who did not compromise in any capacity, but he was being exalted in the midst of the enemies. And when you look at things and know that God can bless me in the midst of my problems, in the midst of my troubles, in the midst of my struggles, why should I then live in fear and anxiety? And that doesn't take away our responsibility for us to do what we know is right. Now, when the Medo-Persians and their Congress, Senate, whatever you want to deem it at that time, made a law that a man could not pray unless he asked the king, 
they did that on purpose to snare Daniel because they knew that Daniel was going to go to his, his window three times a day and look toward Jerusalem and pray. See? And they made a decree that no man could do that without asking the king. And, of course, Darius was the king at that time. He signed the legislation, the bill, however you want to term it. You can read all of this in the sixth chapter of Daniel. And, of course, uh, they did this intentionally to destroy Daniel. And that's, we have the story of Daniel being thrown into the den of lions. And, of course, God shut their mouths. And, of course, the king was troubled and was petrified. He didn't sleep a wink that night uh, because he, was, he, he knew that Daniel was a godly man. And uh, he, he, he came... Uh, to the to the den of lions that morning, and uh, and and, and he, he 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 cried out to Daniel. He he said, "O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God delivered you?" And the king said, "O oh, king, live forever." And of course, the tables were turned. All of those who made this legislation, God cast those men, their wives, and their children into the den of lions, and they ate them up. And so then Darius came along and made another decree to negate that decree so that Daniel could continue to pray. So my point is, we have to keep trusting God and and not live under a spirit of fear, a spirit of anxiety. You know, Daniel went to his window anyway and prayed. He, he didn't stop. Now, we, we got the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. And, and, and they wouldn't fall down and pay homage to Nebuchadnezzar's statue. And because they didn't, they, they gave him a, a, a second chance. They said, maybe, maybe you don't understand you know, what's going on here. When you hear the music... You've got to fall down, and you've got to worship this idol. And, 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 and of course, they didn't. And, but they told the king, they said, there's one thing for sure. Whether God delivers us out of the fiery furnace, we will be delivered out of your hand. And, of course, they heated the furnace up seven times harder than ever before, and they cast them into the fiery furnace, and the uh, fire was so hot that it slew the soldiers that threw them in there. And then, of course, Nebuchadnezzar looked into the furnace and said, Did we not throw three men in the fiery furnace? They said, Yes, O king. He said, But I see four men in the midst of the fire, and the fourth is like unto the Son of God. So again, Nebuchadnezzar had his device, had his scheme, He was going to punish them, burn them to a a crisp, and God intervened because God's counsel is the one that stood. We we have to remember, this is when when you've really come to trust the Lord, you'll say, you know, it, it just doesn't matter. I serve God. I love God with all of my heart, with all of my soul, and with all of my mind. God is going to take care of me one way or the other. And if God doesn't take care of me or deliver me, then it wasn't God's will. God wanted to bring me on home. Now, now no one in the natural wants to suffer. That, that, that would be asinine to say, yeah, it's great to suffer. That, 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 that's not true. 
if we had to suffer physically, you know, torment, vexation, whatever, physically, or emotionally as far as that goes. But at the end of the day, you know, I believe God has already predetermined those whom he will suffer and allow to go through those things, and there are those who he will not suffer. And, of course, God will make that decision because he is sovereign in all the affairs of men, and he knows, you know, he knows uh, people's hearts better than they know their own hearts. If you'll read the about the last uh, eight verses in Hebrews chapter 11, you will see the dichotomy of those who were not delivered, and they didn't want deliverance. And then there were those who God did deliver, such as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, such as Daniel. And then there were those like Isaiah. History says Isaiah was cut into with a timber saw. You know, he, he, he may have been like Peter. His intestinal fortitude was off the charts. Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. Hang me upside down. Stephen was a mere layman. They stoned him to death. He says, Father, don't lay this sin to their charge. What a, what a, what a disposition mentally and emotionally that these certain men had where that didn't bother them. You know, and so I have to believe in God's sovereignty. Um, he, he, he makes that decision, you know, for us. I, I believe, honestly believe, that if some of us had been standing around Stephen, when they started stoning him, the Spirit of God would have come upon us. We would have knelt down beside of him and embraced him and been stoned with him and not given a flip about our lives. Then there would be those like Peter. He ran. He ran. And Jesus told them, he said, you're going to be scattered like sheep tonight. You're going to be, you're going to be scattered like sheep. You're, you're all going to run. He already knew that. Uh, but then after Peter's conversion, coming back to Christ, look at his attitude afterward. Bolden. Emboldened with the power of God, the grace of God, and was determined to do whatever. It didn't matter then. And, and so I, I just look at it, you know, in, at the end of the day that God is sovereign and, and the counsel of God is going to stand, no matter what man's devices and schemes might be. And they've got them, Doug. They, they've got their schemes. They've got their plans because their father is the devil. And, but sure. no matter what the devil plots, God can overcome it. And you make a great point. And the the accounts that you gave in the Bible, recorded in the Bible, can be applied to uh, present-day scenarios. Uh, even we can see reflections of them. And, I mean, we can, we can see our reflections in them. It depends on which, well, it depends on how you feel, I guess, or it depends on your level of spiritual maturity perhaps I, I, I'm not even sure I know how to even enunciate that or, or to really correctly uh, uh, explain that but nonetheless it's uh, I just believe God makes that determination yeah okay okay yeah 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 it, but but without regard I mean the bottom line is is I look at this and, and, and you're right it's God's got it all under control the, the the schemes of the devil and the devil, the the ungodly are always going to be there. And, right, uh, absolutely. Yeah. He said, "I'll never leave you, no forsake you." So we need to believe that. Pastor, hold, hold on to that thought. We're sure. up against the bottom of the hour here, Pastor. Pastor David Langford, what a great gift that we have with Pastor Langford. 
uh, sharing such incredible knowledge, spiritual guidance for all of us in these times. Stay right where we are. I'll be right back. Coming to you live from our radio and television studios in Blustery, Northwest Pennsylvania. Our guest, as always on Wednesday, last hour is Pastor David Langford, the voice of evangelism.com. And I just, you know, the, the, his gift of time, it's, it's just to me, uh, I'm so thankful for that because the spiritual nourishment, the education, the inspiration which we derive from his appearances, it's, uh, second to none. And you know, um, Pastor Langford asks for nothing and gives freely of his time and his, his lessons. And we need to support Pastor Langford and, and, of course, his ministry. Before we get back to Pastor Langford, you know, we were talking um, biblically uh, seeds and, and the harvest. And speaking of seeds, the, the best seed banks in the world in my view, Texas Ready. Texas Ready seed banks are ranked the highest in the world, and for good reason. They contain regionally appropriate, open-pollinated heirloom seeds. And most seed companies, they don't take that into account. Hybrid seeds are only good for one garden. Um, they don't reproduce true to type. That's why it's necessary to, uh, to purchase stable heirloom seeds. And Texas Ready uses certified seeds. Most seed banks don't even do that. It's too expensive. They Texas Ready believes that uh, their customers, our listeners, are worth it. The germination rate on their seeds is outstanding, and you've heard all of the all of the uh, negative predictions about what could be coming or what is to come. We don't know when, so be prepared, folks. I think one of the best investments you can make is, in fact, a Texas Ready seed bank. They've got eighty plus varieties of vegetables and fruits, including a dual purpose herbs, culinary, and medicinal. The larger banks come with training manuals, so you're not out there gardening, uh, you know, uh, blindly. So check out their website at TexasReady.net. We have TexasReady.net seed banks. We love them. We think that they are really the best of the best. And we've seen seed banks. Man, have we seen seed banks. These are the best of the best. TexasReady.net. TexasReady.net. That's TexasReady.net. And make sure you tell them that you heard this on Hagman and Hagman. Pastor Langford, again, thank you so much for your time, your gift of gracious gift of time, and for your inspiration and information as we walk through what we're walking through together. And um, so much uncertainty, yet so much assurance through biblical uh, scripture and the Word of God. I want to go to uh, Jeremiah 39. Those who are listening tonight or are watching and they have their Bibles, Jeremiah 39, beginning at verse. Um, Six. I want people to see the sovereignty of God. And I said this the last several programs. God can destroy a government and save his people. I, I don't think people get that because they don't. How can that be? Um, but it can be that because of the sovereignty of God. We must remember God can do anything. Jeremiah thirty two twenty seven says, Behold, I'm the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Even Sarah and Abraham could not believe they could actually have a child. 
God said, I will return unto thee the time of life. And this time next year you will have a baby. And I shared that some weeks ago. And uh, not only did Abraham have Isaac with Sarah, after Sarah died, Abraham married a woman named Keturah and had uh, five or six more children from her. So this was not a one-time deal that God restored Abraham physically, but it continued on probably up till his death. But in Jeremiah 39, beginning at verse 6, the king of Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah before his eyes. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Uh, Jeremiah had warned Zedekiah to submit himself and not rebel against Nebuchadnezzar because God had ordained this. But again, Zedekiah was disobedient, so God had him killed. He could have went back to Babylon uh, and could have lived out his life. I don't know, but I do know because of disobedience, he was put in chains and his two sons were killed. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans, or the Babylonians, burned the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and broke down the walls of Jerusalem. Then Jebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city, and those that fell away that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. But Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, left of the poor of the people, which had nothing in the land of Judah, and gave them vineyards and fields at that same time. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Jebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, saying, Take him, and look well to him, and do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. In other words, he's telling Nebuchadnezzar to submit himself to Jeremiah's authority concerning Jeremiah's life. So Jebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, sent Nebuchadnezzar, Nab Arias, and Nergil, Sherezer, Rabmag, and all the king of Babylon's princes. Even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him unto Jeliah, the son of Ahimkam, the son of Shaphan, that he should carry him home, so he dwelt among the people. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison, saying, Go and speak to Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good, and they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord. And thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid. This shows us Jeremiah had fear for his own life. He even feared these men. And, and God said, I, I know you're afraid of these men. For I will surely deliver thee, and thou shalt not fall by the sword, but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Because Jeremiah trusted God and lived right, God took care of him. 
I won't read all of uh, chapter 40, but in, in Jeremiah chapter 40, verse 6, excuse me, verse 5, the last phrase says, So the captain of the guard gave him, Jeremiah, victuals and a reward and let him go. His hand was freely given to back to himself to do as he willed because he had been obedient to God and done what God had told him to do. And so this is why God honors obedience. That's why Samuel said to Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, people sacrifice prayer, fasting, tithing, giving, but if you haven't obeyed God, that does not impress God. Obeying God means you're going to do the right thing, whether you like it or not, whether you're comfortable with it or not, or whether you see it like God sees or not, you're still going to obey God, which is a type of trust. To obey God means I trust you, Lord. You know, if God tells you to do something, uh, your faith in him says, I'm going to trust God even though I don't understand this. This doesn't make sense to me, but I know that God will bless me. I was in Bozeman. You were there, Doug. And the Lord uh, spoke to my heart uh, and told me to give all my book money away at that meeting. Um, I shared some of it with the offering Sunday morning for for, for the Hagmans. And I gave the other portion to someone else. And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, if you'll obey me, I'll give you back more than you can imagine. And uh, he didn't say, I'll double it, I'll triple it. He just said, I'll give you back more than you can imagine. And uh, I gave the money away. And there was a lady in that meeting, and she was praying about who she was to bless. And when my wife stood up and sang that morning, Sunday morning, the Lord spoke to the lady's heart and said, that's the couple you bless. And without making a big hoopla, uh, she, when Steve and I were doing the water baptism, she engaged my wife. And they had a few minutes of a conversation. She gave my wife an envelope. My wife said, what is this? She said, oh, nothing. Um, my wife said, well, who are you? She said, well, you, you won't remember me after today. And uh, so with the meeting ended, we went back to the motel, was changing clothes. I was ringing with. And my wife opened up the envelope. There's a check for $10,000. You see, obedience, it, it's not the amount. I want people to understand it's not about the amount of money. That, that's not what God is moved by. What God is moved by is obedience. If it's if it's if it's two dollars and that's and, and that's obedience to God, then God will bless like it was two billion dollars. That that it's never the amount. People get so enamored with a dollar amount. That's because these charlatans say, "Well, if you give this thousand dollar seed, you'll plant this two hundred fifty eight dollar seed." That that's that's garbage. That 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 that's that's ludicrous. It's it's a charlatan. It's a swindler. It's a it, it, it's a panhandler. It, 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 it's it's vulgar. Whatever you want to name it, it, it's not of God. God doesn't work like that. The woman that gave the two mites, Jesus said she gave more than them all. She gave two little copper mites. She gave more than they all. And that in the Greek means you you aggregate all that everybody gave and put it together. Jesus said she gave more than them all. And so my point is, it's never about the amount. It's about the obedience factor. Whatever God tells you to do, you do it. If he says stand still and it don't make sense, stand still anyway. 
he says, go forward. Go forward. Uh, uh, he says, don't leave your house for the next hour. You were getting ready to go to the store. He said, just sit here and be still for an hour. Because he may be saving you from a car wreck. He may be saving you from an armed robbery. We, we don't know. And this is why obedience is so significant. It, 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 you know, and I'm going to say something here, and people can get upset. People are doing the wrong stuff. They're not spiritually minded. Uh, they're sowing discord. I know uh, you're facing some some junk that's unnecessary. These are these are carnally minded people. Uh, they, they are controlled by the devil. And, of course, the devil uses them to create havoc in our lives. And that's why it's important uh, to who we fellowship with, who we listen to, uh, things of that nature, because the devil's always looking for a, an avenue to get into our lives uh, that he can harm us or injure us in some capacity. And so I, I believe when a man has a pure heart, and he has clean hands, and he honestly, with a pure heart, makes a mistake. I believe with all of my heart, God still takes care of you. He works, he removes, he heals, he binds the wound. Why? Because our hearts were pure and our hands were clean. Listen, good, godly people make mistakes. For whatever reason, maybe they didn't have the right information. Maybe somebody they put confidence in lied to them or misled them or whatever the case might be. And they acted on that and it ended up being bad. But because their heart was pure and their hands were clean, God said, I'm going to cover you on this. You, you will not suffer any loss here at all. You won't be harmed. You will not be injured because your heart is right. You see, now... People on the outside may look at us and say, well, I, I don't think you've done the right thing. It doesn't matter what you think, is what does God think? Have I listened to God? Have I obeyed God? See, I, I, you can always be, and you will, nine out of ten times, be misjudged by people around you. I don't think you handled it right. I don't think you did the right thing. You know what I'm saying, Doug? <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. Well... You know, the old cliche is, don't judge me until you've walked in my shoes. See, now I can see when people have done something, and they had no godly counsel, they had no godly insight, and it blew out of proportion, and they brought that on themselves. I'm talking about keeping clean hands and a pure heart. You know, I try to keep myself from controversy as much as I can. I think mm -hmm. about what I'm going to say. I think about what I'm going to do. I think about my newsletter. I, I think about these things. Why? Because there's always a repercussion. So that's why obedience is so much better than sacrifice. Sometimes a sacrifice is literally uh, uh, considered, well, I, I did the great thing. I, I sacrificed something. Well, you may think that's great, but did you obey God? coupled with the sacrifice. If you didn't obey God, your sacrifice just went out the door. Because that sacrifice does not impress God. You have to obey God. And that's what made Jesus so dynamic in that he not only sacrificed and gave his life, he was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. 
And that's why he's been given a name that's above every name. Because he did both things. He was not only absolutely obedient unto death, but he also died the death of the cross. So, you know, he, he did so much more. And, of course, he was without sin. I, I can't say that. You can't say that. Can't nobody say that. Right. Uh, we strive for perfection, and that in the Hebrew and Greek both means spiritual maturity. You know, I witnessed, uh, you know, I got 27 years of pastoral experience and 12 years as an evangelist. And, and, and I, it doesn't take me long to look at people that are spiritually immature, yet they think they are, you know, in a place of leadership. But watch what they do. Watch how they handle a situation. A man that has experience will tell you up front, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Well, why would you not do that? Well, I've, I've made that mistake 20 years ago, and it won't, it won't turn out well. When you're, when you're talking to people in, in a fabrication shop that's making something, they can already tell you the pros and the cons. You can't do that that way. Well, why can't we do it that way? Because I've tried it, and it doesn't work. That's what we call empirical knowledge. There are things you've learned in your life that you definitely would not do them the same way again. Why? You learn something from it. And wisdom says, that will not happen to me again. I will learn from this, and, and, and not only will you learn from it, you will learn how to maneuver through that next situation or circumstance because you now have the empirical knowledge. And I always tell people, if you go through a circumstance and don't learn anything from it, you're a fool. You're an absolute fool to go through any kind of a crisis in life, and in five years later, that same thing happens again. That means means you're you're thick-headed. You didn't learn anything. I I hate to have to do the same thing twice. No matter what I do in life, boy, to to have to go back and redo it, they'll tell you in in business, if you've got to go back and fix it, repair it again, you don't make money going back doing it the second time. You've got to be one and done. So, you know, James 1 and 19, be slow to speak, swift to hear, and slow to wrath. You know, stop, hit the pause button, say, hey, am I doing the right thing here? And if you're not sure, you call somebody that can, can, can help you, that, that may know something about that. I, I, I'm renowned uh, when I don't understand something, man, calling somebody, asking somebody, um, uh, looking at a situation, reading on it, studying on it, uh, uh, the great thing about the internet, you can get a lot of insight on, on, on a lot of things because somebody's already been there and done that. And uh, there's, that's why the Bible said there's safety in the multitude of counsel. Uh, see, today, pride is so destructive because people want to think, like, that's been Obama's whole uh, failure in his presidency. I got a phone and I got a pen. Now, that's, that's a man that really wants counsel, that really wants advice, that really wants input. Now, that's a man that says, I don't care if it's aeronautics or it's military maneuvers. I already have the, I already know. Well, that's, that's cynical. You, you, you can't be like that. But people who are like that, we use the term narcissistic, um, uh, that's why they're always looked at because you're always saying, well, why didn't you get some advice? Why didn't you ask somebody, you know? Uh, no man knows it all. Uh, it's good to bounce things off of other people. I, I got several emails today, people asking me, you know, what would you do about this situation? You know, and as you get older, you learn, number one, as a Christian, you learn to trust God. 
because you know in your heart God is superior, He is supreme, He has the power over everything, uh, He has power over men's thoughts. He can put something in a man's heart. Uh, Revelation seventeen seventy, and I quoted that verse a thousand times. God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill His will. God can put something in a man's heart that will bless you, but you got to have pure heart and a clean hand to, to not get ensnared. And then God said, well, i got to get you out of this mess. I can't bless you now because you're in a mess. i got to get you out of this mess. That was the great thing about the uh, the man of God, Joseph. Every every encounter that he seemed to have, and, and all of them up till he got to be the, the viceroy, the prime minister of Egypt, was, was negative, 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 negative. But we don't read anywhere in the scriptures he had a negative attitude. I wish I wish I could say that, <laughs> but, but we never read about him grumbling or bickering or complaining. He took it in stride because he had trust in God. He believed those dreams he had, and those sheaves falling down and paying obeisance. And when they came in, his brethren and thought he was, you know, this deity per se, they fell down and paid obeisance. And Joseph remembered the dreams, and he was seeing it come to pass. And it took. From the time he was 17 to 30, 13 years, that's a long time uh, to wait to see God bring to light, to bring to fruition. But that's why we're taught to be patient and wait on the Lord, because, brother, God does have a divine plan. I've said this before, you've heard me say it, the devil plots. God has a divine plan from the beginning until the end. Satan plots in the process, trying to disrupt God's plan for our lives. I just want to encourage the people tonight to... To, to continue to prepare. You know, I believe we've got a reprieve. I believe God has pushed the pause, but that does not stop the work of the enemy. When God spoke to Joseph to take Mary and Joseph, um, Mary and Jesus, and go down into Egypt till Herod died, that was to save them. And they were there until Herod had died. What does that tell you? God's counsel overcame Herod's scheme. Now, God could have killed Herod immediately, but he didn't do that. Why? I don't know. Because maybe the one that would take in his place would have had the same spirit. And God said, I'll just let him die, then the next one that comes along, he won't have that spirit, we won't have this encounter. But then there'll be the one that'll be in control when it comes time for him to be crucified. And he'll have that same spirit. So, you know, God is so vast and so large in these areas. And we always want to know, well, why, why, why? When, I, when all my kids were growing up, they get about, you know, four years of age. That's, that's the number one question, why? Why do you brush your teeth? Why do you blow dry your You remember that, Doug? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's why. Uh, and, and that's the way we are with God. Why, 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 why? And, uh, and, and, of course, God understands our, our hearts, and he knows we don't understand and know. But this is where trust comes in. Though my kids would ask me ten times a day why, they never once said, Hey, Dad, is there going to be soap enough for me to take a bath tomorrow? That's right. They just expect it to be there. See, are there going to be toothpaste in there tomorrow? Uh, we're going to have cereal. something. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have yeah. cereal, milk. Yeah, yep. they don't ask those questions. That, that, why? They trust me, and they just expect it to be there. And, and that's how we should trust God and expect God 
to deliver us, to redeem us. I mean, read the Psalms. David cried out so many times, you know, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall mine enemy be exalted over me? And then you drop down to the verse 6, and there in Psalms 13, he said, I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. <laughs> well, what happened? Well, God moved. His, his heart changed. His attitude changed. He said, now I'm going to sing unto the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. But before that, man, it's just all negative. Mm-hmm. See? And then we see in his latter years, in Psalms 37, 23, he said, the steps of a good man ordered by the Lord. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. I have been young, I am now old, yet have I never seen the righteous forsaken, nor seed begging bread. What he was saying, looking back over his life, he said, you know what? God took care of me through everything. The bear, the lion, Goliath, all the wars I fought, all the battles I fought, God, God, God spared me. And, uh, and he said, I can look back and say, you know, I've never seen the righteous forsaken one time. And, and that's how we have to live in this world, because this ultimate end-time storm, war, Armageddon, the collapse, cashless society, all this is coming. But the great thing is we know it's coming, and we're not in darkness, so we can plan and prepare for it and not be freaked out when it does come. That's, that's the great joy. We ought to be so happy because we, we are in the know. We're not like the world. I look at people every day, and I'm like... Man, you don't have a clue what's going on. But I don't go over and bash them. I just pray for them. But I, I think in my mind, you don't understand what's going on in this world. But unless the Spirit of God deals with them, you're just not going to make them understand. The Spirit has to bring that illumination in their own heart and mind. Right. Boy, is that is that ever true? Yeah, and, yeah. and that's the good thing about being on the inside with God. He keeps us abreast. He keeps us sober. He keeps us alert to these things that's taking place, brother. Thank God. Amen. I, I mean, and it's, it's, good to, it's good to have the inside track. It's really, I mean, I don't need, I, perhaps that's the wrong way of saying it, but understanding um, the Bible, understanding the Word of God, reading and being immersed in the Word of God, being obedient, all of these things are all components that will help us understand and get through uh, and weather the storm that's coming. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. So, wow. Yeah, I want to share one thing. I've got a little old DVD, and it's uh, the King James Bible, Old and New Testaments. It's yeah. a DVD. You can see the scriptures on the screen. But Alexander Scorby is narrating it. And my wife and I, I've made a commitment this year to, to go through my Bible numerous times. But since last night, I have watched and listened to 62 chapters. I will listen to all of Genesis and the first 12 chapter in Exodus. Turn off the television, put the DVD in and listen to it. You'll be surprised at how much you will learn. I forget what we asked for. It's on our website. That is one of the greatest tools because you have the auditory and the visualization of hearing the scriptures and reading the scriptures. And in in two nights, my wife and I have gone through uh, 62 chapters all of Genesis last night and into 12 tonight because I had to be on program with you. But that's a great tool if you want to get into something and get disciplined to get in the Bible where you just watch an hour a day. I would dare say in 60 hours you can go through the whole Bible. It'd be a blessing to a lot of people. And, and that's on your website. And I'm sorry, yeah. what, what is it called, uh, Pastor? It's just the DVD, uh, King James Bible on DVD, and Alexander Scorby is doing the narrating. Okay. 
All right. It's a great tool. I mean, I use it. I mean, like I said, since last night, I've watched the video, and you hear his voice reading the scriptures to you, 62 chapters since last night. Fantastic. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll put that up on the in the program description as well for people to access that easily. Thevoiceofevangelism.com, dot com. Thevoiceofevangelism dot com. Uh, I believe it's under media. The media yeah, it is so. under media. I'm pretty sure. I think it's thirty thirty five dollars post is paid, but it's right. a DVD. It's got a lot of great stuff on it. Of course, it's Alexander Scorby's voice, and then they've got the, they've got the Word of God up there like on a Bible. And you can read it and listen to him, and you'll learn a lot of pronunciation at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's important, especially for me. <laughs> All of us, uh, <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Pastor, th- th- thanks, for, thanks for your gift of time and, and yes, for sir, your insight you. and your inspiration. Thank and, you so uh, much. Appreciate it. God right, bless. God bless you. Have a great night. Thank you for allowing me to Thank be you. here. Oh. Bye-bye. Folks, that'll do it for us on behalf of John, J.D., Eric the Tech, Jackie, Joe, myself, God bless, and Lady of the Studio Dog, God bless each and every one of you.